From the iHeartRadio studios in New York City, come two diehard fans of the greatest rock and roll band hailing from Hollywood, California. Dissecting all things Guns N' Roses and anything else in their distorted minds, it's Brando and Scotto. And this is Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 21. We are legal now. Uh, my name is Barando. With me, as always, is my partner in perfect crime, Scott Okama Ian. What's going on, salty dog? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. Yeah, I, I'm excited for this show. Catherine Turman coming on, which yeah. is someone that you uh, hooked up, and we're we're excited to have her. I on. hooked up the interview. I, I did yeah. not hook up with her. No, no, no. no. She. <laughs> I used to work together with her uh, at United Stations Radio Networks, uh, a radio um, distribution platform out of here in the Sounds city. Sounds very serious, but it's not serious. <laughs> but I used to work on um, a hard drive XL with Lou Brutus. Uh, and then, and Catherine, as we'll talk to her about, she works on Alice Cooper's show. So awesome. I haven't seen her in yeah, forever. Nights with Alice Cooper. Right. And she's seen GNR before they were been signed and is friends with Duff for, for God knows how long, how many years. So I'm looking forward to getting uh, to talking to her in just a few moments. But I'm also looking forward to October because I'm seeing Guns and Roses get at Madison Square Garden. Sorry, I'm excited. I haven't seen them at the Garden since 2002 with Buckethead. So I'm going to see... Uh, them again with my brother Tristan. Went with my brother Logan last year. Maybe if they tour again next year, I'll go with my last brother Cameron to make it official. But it's kind of funny how well I guess Tristan and Logan in particular are like pretty unique names, and then you're Brandon, which is like a pretty common name. You want to hear a quick little story about it? Sure. Uh, so I was the firstborn. Still am. Uh, Brandon was not common at the time, and I was very close to being named Braden, but apparently they put in the name too soon. But Brandon, Logan, Tristan, and Cameron are all mm. names of soap opera stars. Okay. And all in. Yeah, where I'm named after Brandon Kingsley, one of uh, Susan Lucci's boyfriends in that loving fucking show. So your mom movie. just loves soap operas? Yep. Uh, I think to make it somewhat like, you know, human and normal, she took our middle name, like the first letter and related to like a uh, relative, but this has nothing to do with Guns N' Roses. Like, oh, I, have a, fucking... I have a soap opera story I'll have to tell you off air. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I was turning off like Gina podcast talking about soap, soap operas. operas. Yeah. Oh, but no, but the, the fact that I'm seeing it with Tristan, uh, my, my brother, uh, Gina, I'm, I'm just very excited. So I get to see Lady Gaga and Guns N' Roses this year. Yeah. I've never seen Lady Gaga, and, have I. and I am a fan. Uh, what do you think of you know the new album? By the way, I actually haven't listened to it. To be oh, really? Too. Okay. Other I, than other, like the singles, that's I got it kind of late. I I think it's pretty good. Um, I like the song. Uh, why Why am I forgetting the name of the song now? You like it a lot, apparently. Freebird. Oh, it's gonna come to me. <laughs> um, John Wayne. John Wayne. Okay. I was about to say James Dean. I was like, it's not called James Dean. John Wayne. Close enough. Good song. Good All song. right. I've heard of That's it. I, I, will, I will have to check that it out. That song in what? particular. Yes. I when think. we start our Lady Gaga podcast. podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Radio Gaga, I guess we'll call it. Uh, but no, of course, this is a Guns N' Roses podcast, and uh, I'm excited for the show. But you did not uh, buy tickets. I guess you know, we can get into more of that with, with Catherine, because we, we're going to find out yeah. uh, how she feels, because she's seen the band before they were even GNR, not even like back in their heyday. Yeah. Unless, heyday. unless I can get tickets to this Apollo show. It's just not at the Apollo Theater here in New York City. Yeah, for those I'm the of, type of person, to be honest, where 
unless there's something really unique happening, I don't need to see a band every single year, even if it's GNR. Uh, I've said this before on the podcast. My favorite band of all time is Deftones, uh, mm-hmm. tied with GNR. I've seen Deftones probably a good 15-plus times. Um, I saw them two years ago. Last year when they came around, I was just kind of like, eh, not a huge fan of the new album. I, I don't think I'm going to go see them. And uh, I waited. I saw them just day- last week, and it was an awesome time. So like, I kind of like having that anticipation. I just saw GNR last year. Don't feel I need to see them again unless there's something really unique going on like this Apollo show. Now, if I can get tickets to the Apollo show, oh, my God, that would be amazing. But I get them at MSG unless there's there's something that I feel like I need to see, whether it's Steven Adler coming out or Izzy coming out. I'm just not uh, that enthusiastic, which might shock some of you, but it is what it is. And I also, if I go see GNR, I want to be on the floor. I want to get good seats. I don't want to be, like, in the nosebleed somewhere. So I, I spent a lot to go see them last year, mm. and it was an awesome time and memory. Yeah. I understand, and I got my handicapped seats again, so we'll see. You know, I'm sure I'll have a good view, but I won't be up front uh, unless I just pretend my handicap is worse than it is, and maybe I'll, you know, I'll finagle and see what I can do. <laughs> uh, but it actually parlays into something that is interesting because I don't think your thought process is all too far off. Um, we've read a couple of emails on the show uh, from listeners everywhere. I mean, this is it's, it's amazing. We do this out of New York City. You know, we were doing it out of, out of Long Island first. And, of course, you know, it's when we get listeners in our area, sure. But when we get them from other countries, it's just it kind of blows our minds. So one of our favorites has been Anna from Portugal. Yeah. And something that we want to do going forward, and we want your help with it. And I asked Anna to help us out with it. She saw, I believe it was the second show on this most, in, most recent leg of the tour in uh, Lisbon in Portugal. And I said, you know what? Give us a review. Because she's always writing these long emails to us. She's very well-spoken, well-read. So I'm like, you know what? I think she would do a good job. I should have told her to kind of shorten it because she sent us like a, sent us like a 10-minute audio file. It was more. It was like 11. Yeah. But... You have to correct me over a minute. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, so, but I added a couple things down that she did. One, yeah. uh, It was great, by the way. It's, it's just, you know, I we can't really dedicate 10 minutes to the podcast. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. for sure. No, you they, know what I feel like? Uh, you ever hear that clip of, I'm sorry, I know we'll, we'll play it, but uh, you ever hear that clip of Ringo Starr? They always play on Howard. I know you're more of a O&A guy mm-hmm. uh, of when he just kept getting things sent to his house to sign. And he just kept saying, he was like, with peace and love, yes, yes, peace and love, yes. no more signatures. Yes. So it's like, you know, you don't want to be a dick because I, I really love people sending us this stuff. But uh, if you can keep it short and sweet, it's just world. Oh, more yeah. So, I mean, well, but I thought she did an awesome job. And it was awesome hearing about this overseas GNR show from someone who saw the band in its different um Incarnation. Yeah, and there's a couple things. I mean, I didn't give her. I mean, it was a, just a thought that came to my mind because there are a lot of people reaching out to us on Facebook and Twitter, both at the AFD show, if you're not already, telling us about the first time they saw the band or they just saw the show on the recent leg of the tour. And we want to share your stories. We want to share it with your words, not us kind of rehash what you're saying because it's you. We're all together in this. Uh, so we did. I, I edited down the 11 minute thing because there's two uh, separate parts of this that I think are interesting. One, uh, I guess you could do two things. If you want to tell us, uh, if you, 
Well, I guess A, limit it to two or three minutes because that, that's radio friendly. That's fine. Uh, you could tell us about the first time we saw Guns N' Roses, if there was a first time, and the most recent show that you have seen. So you can kind of give a review of the when you first lost your GNR virginity and review of your most recent, you know, uh, roll in the hay with, with guns. Uh, but one, she talks about the first show she ever was at. She tells a good story. So again, this is an AFD uh, fan member, Anna from Portugal. Hi, guys. This is Anna from Portugal. I've seen Guns N' Roses in three different decades. I'm um, on my uh, 40s. And um, actually, 40. Um, the first time I saw them was uh, 1992 in um, Lisbon again with uh, Matt Sorum and Gilby Clark on the lineup. 30 minutes into the concert, um, Axel stormed off of stage. <laughs> Remember, um, Soundgarden and Faith No More opened for GNR. Just imagine, I was 16 and it blew my mind. Um, Mike Patton, uh, fit no more singer, always ready to be a dick, <laughs> urged fans to throw bottles to the stage. And so when Guns came on stage, Axel slipped, fell, and sang for two whole hours laying down. In the meantime, um, the, the stadium is full of 60,000 people full capacity and some hassles are lighting pyrotechnics in the middle of the crowd I was then it was by then exactly a year after the St. Louis so it was a year after the St. Louis incident so, oh yeah, yeah so um, that's just cool that she had that kind of experience but uh, the thing that's going to relate to what you're saying because she talks about again we couldn't play the 11 minutes of it uh, that she had a good time at the recent show in Lisbon uh, but she's seen different variations of guns in this kind of letter to uh, this summary of, of her uh, review. I got to see them live for the third time in my life, which is which actually means that uh, going on with that mom and dad getting divorced analogy, mom and dad are now civil to each other. Hmm. Uh, they all get along, but they are not really back together. Hmm. Uh, but uh, I'm just glad they're all alive. They're all okay. But um, How nice. Here's my thing. Unless they make some new songs, I don't believe I'll go watch them live. There you go. Again. And she's a super so, fan saying Anna that. So this is signing off. Um, thank you again to Ian and Brando. Awesome. Um, take care. Bye-bye. So Anna. cool. Thank yeah, you so much. Really appreciate it. Yep. Um, yeah, uh, so there are other super fans who kind of feel the same. That's I mean, why it was I an amazing it. show. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll tell you this. I saw – this is kind of funny. I saw Winger last year. Sure. Awesome show. Sure. Amazing time. Mohegan Sun Wolf Den where they have free shows. They are playing Mohegan Sun Wolf Den again this year. I am going. I will not pass up a chance to see Winger again for free. But do I really want to pay two hundred plus dollars for like a decent seat to see Guns N' Roses play something that's going to be pretty much the same set list? I, I'm just not enthusiastic for it right now. I think if it was um, if I had to really travel for it, I wouldn't have done it. But the yeah. fact that it's right here in, in New York City, oh, and you're going to have an awesome time, man. and you're I'm not have an excellent time because I you know going to New Jersey. I mean, again, if you're from Portugal, you're not going to give a shit about anything <laughs> that I'm saying. Uh, so no, I, I am looking forward to it, and I'm really curious to see what uh, what Catherine has to say about it because she's seen the band what like 
30 years ago or something. So now she's walking into the studio looking all fancified. What's going on? So joining us in studio for the first time, Catherine Terman, uh, rock journalist. You can check her out at CatherineTurman.com. Uh, you might know her as a producer of Nights with Alice Cooper, uh, co-author of Louder Than Hell, the definitive oral history of metal. And you're working on a memoir with Mina Caputo, formerly Keith Caputo of Life of Agony. So I do want to hear all about that. But thank you so much for coming in with us. I'm glad to be here. Thanks. The the most notable thing, as you know, and Brand, Brando, you have history with Catherine, all that you you're the. I one mean, we indeed. Hey you know. <laughs> <laughs> She's out of my league. <laughs> Is that Catherine got to see Guns N' Roses? Way back in the day, and if I remember correctly, just reading through your stuff, you've interviewed every single member of the classic lineup. Yes, I have. Uh, Amazing. I mean, growing up in L.A., I started going to clubs when I was like 16. You know, the Troubadour, uh, Starwood a few times, uh, Roxy, Whiskey, all that stuff. And I met Duff McKagan because he was in my boyfriend's band at one point, right before he joined Guns N' Roses. So when Duff first moved to uh, L.A. from Seattle, uh, I took him to the Coconut Teaser and all these clubs and hung out with him and his girlfriend. And and, uh, and then he joined this other little band that I started <laughs> to go see occasionally. What was the name of that band, the one that was huh. with your boyfriend? Do you remember? Actually, or do you not want to think about old boyfriends? We'll X him out of the picture. Thank you. No, I, I might have a few photos of them. He always – I think he would dress the same in that band when he started going to Guns N' Roses, which he had this – black bat wing coat. I talked to him about it. I think he still has it. It's like this long kind of cape coat and, and he always... Like a duster? Sort of like a duster, I keep yes. thinking of Always Sunny in Philadelphia now, right now. It's not a jacket. It's a duster. It's like a jacket, only it's longer, thicker, and far more badass. I look like Lorenzo Lamas and women find it irresistible. How badass a duster would be. Yes, a leather duster. Nice. Uh, and of course he always had his, uh, you know, Sid Vicious-y type uh, lock and chain around his neck, so... Well, they showed that whole Duff McKagan look in uh, It's So Easy and otherwise the uh, the movie version of, of the book he did. So you kind of see that version of his image prior to the classic Guns N' Roses image. Yeah, he recently I get, retweeted a, a picture that he had never seen before, one of his early days that we actually, so if you want to check it out, it's on the, uh, the AFD on uh, Facebook and Twitter. So he, there are even pictures that he hasn't even seen. But what's cool about him, it seems like he's got, I mean, I say this platonically, but whatever, he's gotten better looking as uh Time has passed by. Maybe it's no more booze or whatever, but he looks so different yeah, now and like a good different. Exactly. He's. I don't know what kind of training he does, but he does something very uh, severe and, uh, you know, some kind of hardcore cross training on actual mountains. I, I met his guy backstage with him and it was this huge trainer or bodyguard guy. And uh, I can't yeah. imagine he was into that when he was younger. It was just all drugs and chicks and, you know, working out was just getting up. Well, you know, he played drums early on, so I guess okay. he was always active, and he's so tall, I would have imagined he would have been like a 12-year-old basketball guy, but I don't know necessarily. <laughs> and and he's done um, bike races as well. Oh, that's so, right. Yeah. I actually, I, I made this, Catherine, I don't know, because I know you listened to our last episode with uh, with Dave Kushner. Yes. I like to play sound effects, and I've been trying, I've been lazy with making this one. Uh, did you see the interview that they did last year? It was Axel and Duff on, what was it, Ch Mexican TV or Chilean TV? I, I remember when it happened, and I'm like, what right. the heck? But no, I didn't see it. Just the one, the way my brain works, uh, when they're talking about Axel DC, Duff used the word radical. 
Mm-hmm. And it just maybe, Ian, you'll recognize what I did with this clip. I don't believe you, Axel. Oh, that's the wrong one. Son of a bee. It's supposed to be this one. That's pretty radical. Radical, radical, Yeah, I remember All the right. first Ninja Turtles, Turtles movie. <laughs> that's, that, that meant nothing. It was just something that I did to appease my chemical imbalance. I, anyway, continue. I feel so undorky, and I'm sorry for that. <laughs> Truly. I don't know, because he's, he's always very surfer, and uh, I always love that, that role. He is very, like, SoCal. Yeah. And I get that from you. I always know when somebody's not from New York. I'm like, you're nice. You're not from here. <laughs> we could also uh, figure out uh, if I say online or inline, you know, standing in line, standing online. I say standing in line, but you people. Say online. Of course. That is weird. very true. Weird. So I, I feel like the main thing that we have to first get into is seeing Guns N' Roses prior to them getting signed, right? Prior to all of that. What was the experience like? Did you feel like I'm seeing greatness? Like this is almost similar to Dave Kushner talking about seeing Soundgarden before they got signed. And was there a buzz at the time or was it just like, hey, playing tonight is this band? No, there was a huge buzz at the okay. time. I mean, obviously, I was kind of in that inner circle because I knew Duff and had gotten to see them. And I was already a journalist. I was in college then. I think this would have been 85-ish or 4, 85, I think. Yeah. And I was in college and uh, – I remember one show in particular at the Troubadour where they went back to revisit. That might have been the first time I saw them. And I think Axel was in a kilt. He had that red ball <laughs> gag and his hair was all done up. And a then, red ball gag? Yeah. Oh, Axel. That's, that's, <laughs> sorry, I broke Catherine. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> and the Troubadour has a second floor. And I remember looking up and there were like a, kids with a banner that said Guns N' Roses. And they, I think they, oh, were, wow. they were doing – they did a couple covers, I think, like Mama Kin and something like that. And they were just uh, – here, I'll use a journalistic 10-cent word – incendiary. I mean, that was just totally – Nerd alert! Sorry, Karen. I swear to God. I won't be doing this the entire show, I promise. Um, but, yeah, there was definitely a big buzz. And I, I saw uh, – there was a club called The Music Machine where I also saw Spinal Tap and Gigi Allen. So it was a oh, fine, wow. fine stage for, <laughs> for rock and roll. So I saw a lot of those early shows. And then there was like weird side bands in, the, in those early years like The Drunk Fucks, which was a, a duff thing with I think Del James at the Coconut Teaser. And there were, there were all sorts of random offshoots. But I saw quite a few of the early shows and then – of course, you know, the big uh, – I mean, I'm jumping ahead here. But um, – well, actually, I remember seeing them open for the cult and thinking, oh, my God, they blew the cult off stage. Hmm. Yeah. And then watching Matt Sorum and then then all that happened later. But I, I'm wondering, though, that just the feeling. When you see them the first time, did you think this was going to be the next Rolling Stones? Or were you just like, this is a cool band I'm seeing on the Sunset Strip? Well, I guess, you know, I mean, I guess I was a, in my – older teenage years then. I was probably 19, 20, 21. I was exactly Duff's age, I think. And I just remember thinking this is the best band. I've, I mean, I was going to clubs all the time. And I do remember thinking it was like the best band I'd ever seen. I don't think I was thinking in those terms of like, uh, you know, they're going to be the next something. Well, I guess I was thinking, okay, American bands, Aerosmith. Yes, they're, they're the they're early days Aerosmith. They're draw the line Aerosmith. They're fucked up, you know, toxic twins era. So I guess I do remember thinking that. And since I wrote about them a lot in the early, I mean, I, it was an honor to write about them because I was such a fan. Um, and I do remember talking to Geffen Records in the early days and all the A&R people. And there was there was definitely a huge buzz. What definitely. do you think about them at the time? Because we've, you know, spent 20 episodes thus far talking about what separates them from other bands or even just uh, other genres while they're able to cross over or be separate, you know, kind of 
be kind of like a different example of what a rock band could be. There aren't many of that around where they everyone likes them. It seems you don't have to be a rock uh, fan to like them. But was there something special at the time? I guess that you're like this. Why this is different? Because I can imagine all the bands you saw on the strip. A lot of them were the same, right? Right. So it was what I guess. What was different about them? What made them stick out? I mean, I would, to you to me, I would say that they're. I'll say commitment to decadence, but that's not really. It. I mean, they were real. They, I mean, Poison were unabashedly who I also saw before they were signed. They were not real. I mean, and they reveled in that. They were, you know, here's our eye makeup and our goofiness and our girls and our balloons and stuff. But Guns and Roses, I mean, I can I can only think of cliches. You know, walked it like they talked it. They were, you know, dan- it was a dan- world's most dangerous band. They really, uh, you know, they were genuine. There was no pretense or posing at all, um, you know, on stage, off stage, songs. It was just raw power. Thanks, Iggy. <laughs> and they covered that, of course, in the yes. spaghetti incident. So. Uh-huh. And you, you said that on purpose, of course. Of course. <laughs> Where are my sound effects? Can I do use some for you? Oh, that's true. Oh, well, I don't know. That's your sound effect. I, I'd like a rim shot, so to speak. Oh, well, I didn't put that in. So oh. I'm sorry. I'm, not, I'm prepared, but not. There you go. You'll do your, your own uh, rim shot. There you fine. go. That sounds weird out of context. It's huh? horrible. <laughs> edit, edit, edit. So the. <laughs> Since you were, uh, you know, like like us, you just like going to shows as a kid. So how did you get into the music business? You know, for me, I, I knew I was never talented enough to, you know, I sing like a ferret being stepped on. I can't play, you know, Guitar Hero is ter- terrible at it. So I'm like, oh, let me be on the radio, pretend to be a rock star. <laughs> so that's the path I've taken. So how did you get into into writing? And, and now, I mean, you, you really have, I feel like you have the Bible of metal. That is a, it's a thick book. The way it looks is beautiful. And I mean, how did? Thank you. It's seven. I, can, I, can, I can't imagine like the, the path because you've taken a really hard path, and you've been successful at it. Well, thank you. Yeah, the book is uh, over seven hundred pages and over two pounds. And uh, I think one of my rock critic brethren once took it in the backyard and shot a gun and to see if the book would stop a bullet. Oh wow! Not quite, but close. As long as he paid for it, I guess so, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so if you want to read it on the subway, just you know, hold it in front of you, and if there's any gunfire, you, oh, should, you should be okay. Um, how I started. Uh, I started going to clubs at about the age of 16, which would have been 1981, too. And I – interesting at that time, metal and new wave were both kind of happening at the same clubs. So one night I'd go to the Troubadour and I'd see Berlin or the motels. And then the next night I'd see Wasp and, you know, Blackie would be throwing meat out. Awesome. Um, You know. So uh, just because actually friends started going, I started going to the Rainbow Bar and Grill. I'm sure you uh, have heard many decadent stories about of that course. place, if not been there for the pizza. I, I know you've been there. Uh, we haven't. And, 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 and not yet. I mean, that's maybe like a, a trip. Ooh. That'll be like. <laughs> I one day really would love to go. We should to do a remote trip, there so. one day. You yeah. should, I mean, and uh, Lemmy's statue is out there yes, right now. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I actually started going there when I was 17. I had a fake ID, um, met lots of bands there, including Brian May. And I told him that my mother liked Queen, which was probably not the coolest <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> my mom's uh, your biggest fan. <laughs> exactly. I was like, oh, oh wrong, wrong. Uh, but anyway, I was going to see a lot of uh, bands, and I picked up up all the free papers. You know, in L.A., we had the Weekly and just a bunch of uh, – at all the record stores when there were brick-and-mortar stores. At, we had Licorice Pizza. We had um, Licorice Music pizza. Plus. Who did you guys have in New York? As far as uh, record, uh, record stores? Record stores. Tower Records, yeah. Sam Goody. 
Right. Um, what else was there? We had the warehouse. We had Licorice Pizza. We had Tower. Those were anyway. Okay. So and there were always papers up front. So I'd pick them up and read them, and I'd be like, "Oh, these people can't write. I'm, I'm doing really well in English. I can write." <laughs> and literally, that's how it started. Nice. I, I walked up to a magazine called. New talent street scene. I physically went into their offices and they kind of like laughed at me because I was a teenager. And they're like, all right, here's an assignment. And so I went out and interviewed a band and I didn't even know I was supposed to record it. So I just took notes. I, I knew nothing. And that was the beginning. Then I went it's to. It's like an almost famous kind of thing. It is. Except, it is. you know, a female except, in the lead role. Except <laughs> <laughs> not even quite famous. But uh, <laughs> then I went to journalism school and that was, uh, I went to USC. And during that time was when I was seeing Guns N' Roses and seeing all these bands. And I wrote for the school paper called the Daily Trojan. Mm. Great name. No jokes here. No. Um, <laughs> well, that's what they are. They're the Trojan horses. Exactly. All right. See, I won't be a pervert. Um, that's a real thing. Well, not, are we the Trojan horses? I, I only went to – the Trojan fighters? I, I thought know. it was oh, – I, Trojan... I half-ass pay attention to college football. That's – all right. So well, that's about it. Well, we do well in the Rose Bowl. That's all I So there you know. go. But anyway, and I, so I wrote uh, – I was bringing a lot of metal into USC. It was kind of a preppy school. My, one of my first interviews was Dee Snyder, and I was writing about uh, all sorts of metal stuff for school. And I started freelancing and, and seeing all these bands. And then uh, to, to move quickly ahead, I got an internship at the LA Times calendar section, and that was really – set me on my path. I wasn't determined to become a music writer or a rock journalist. I was just going to become a journalist. But mm. they're like, oh, you've written about – this weird person in the Trojan. Why don't you go to the calendar section, little girl? And <laughs> was it really what you wanted to write about? I mean, I would think if you're going to all these shows, it, it was just a natural fit. It sounds. It like. was. It was. But I, uh, I enjoy all kinds of writing, and I still do. I mean, I still try and write about, uh, you know, books and authors or food or or non music topics. But yes, music is my favorite, definitely. But uh, you know, I wasn't set on becoming, uh, you know. The editor of uh, what would it have been back then, Kerrang or Cream or Circus yeah. or Trouser Press or or you know whatever. Where were you when uh, Use Your Illusions came out? The reason I asked that because uh, I was listening to Get in the Ring today, and it's just so funny because of course in in the breakdown he's calling out all these authors, yes. and, you know, Mick Wall, or Bob Guzioni Jr. Where you upset? I mean, you used to hear the song. I'm not going to. Does he call out Mick Wall in it? I, yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. even realize. What that. an honor! So he don't still... you host the Guns N' Roses podcast? Yeah, no, I should know that. I do know he says Mick the Wall, guy. Kerrang, Bob Guzioni Jr. I remember because your dad gets more pussy than you. <laughs> I do Fuck remember you. those. I... Suck my fucking dick. All right, it's it. crazy to think Mick Wall though is still this guy writing articles because I feel like the, these other names I haven't heard. Since getting the ring. I know. I know. So I, anyway, sorry. Back to your question. Wow. But that sidetracked me My career is not going to be complete till I get called out in a song. <laughs> well, I guess that's part of the question. Is that now your goal? Oh. But, I mean, do you, do you remember when that came out? And were you like, where? how old were you? Do you remember being like, a journalist? <laughs> no, no, because I'm trying to think of like where you were in Actually, your career. Uh, and like, oh, they're, they're, they're that calling was out my. right? I think so. Calling out my counter, my, you know, my. Yeah. Not like counterparts or, you know, yeah, my, my, my peers. My, my peers. peers. There you yes. go. Um, yeah, no, I. Uh, 91. I mean, I was living in L.A. Grunge hadn't uh, started yet, so... It, hasn't um, ki- it hadn't killed hair metal yet. <laughs> yes, debatable, <laughs> but yes. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I, I won't say I was... I definitely wasn't over Guns N' Roses at that point, because I still love them to this day, but I wasn't as... You know, they'd gone on to be so huge that, you know, I, I didn't have the access to them, and I wasn't, you know, as involved as I was mm. when... I mean, I remember, you know, I was in the studio for Appetite for Destru- Destruction. Wow. we got to hear about I that. I know, Mike Clink, and I remember <laughs> when Duff 
brought the the finished album over to a friend's house, his friend Al Block, uh, a bass player who they'd played in some similar bands. And like, here's the new Guns N' Roses record. I remember when Duff played it for us. I'm oh, like, wow. wow, this is awesome. So by um, by the Use Your Illusions, I was excited, but I wasn't as invested. I mean, I still love, I mean, I, I love Coma. I love Garden and Garden of Eden. I love a <laughs> lot of those songs, actually. And I, you know, I was pretty amazed that they were doing a, a double album, but I don't think the get in the ring, the call out thing. Okay, I, I don't it was just think a random thought. It didn't because um, my undergrad was broadcast journalism. So sometimes yeah. when I'm like with someone who's also like another journalist, right. I have a little moments that I, I need to have. So I was just random. No, I was not. About that. Uh, no, I mean. A lot of their shenanigans involved people I knew, like, you know, Bryn Bridenthal, their publicist, and a lot of their early shenanigans. Apparently, they poured booze on her. And mm. so, I mean, you know. And I guess that was also, too, because you mentioned peers and if you knew any of mm-hmm. these people. So I didn't know if, you know, maybe there was more to the story than there. Uh, that's what I was, you know, reaching for. But clearly, there's nothing. So this well, is I'm a pointless sure question. <laughs> but but we did. We can ask McWall. I know. Yeah, I know. We did hear through all that though that you were in the studio when Appetite for Destruction was being recorded. So that in itself, I have to hear all about. Yes. It, well, actually, was something. Well, here when you talk about was there a buzz? I mean, I guess uh, back in the day when we had answering machines with the little tapes. Remember, hmm. um, uh, I was going to the studio to interview them, and Slash called me that morning at like six in the morning. I didn't answer because, of course, I was asleep. He had to have still been awake. Exactly. Okay. He's like, <laughs> he's like you're, you're coming to interview us. Bring a bottle. I think he said Jim Beam, but it might have been Jack Daniels. <laughs> so anyway, so I, I have a bunch of old answering machine messages with stuff like that. Oh, on that's it great. From them. So you wow. know, I had a sense that maybe they would go somewhere. So I guess that's a. I didn't save, you know, everyone's. Um, you got to put them together, put it on like YouTube or something. I mean, <laughs> unless there's something like really private. Nerd alert. Um, <laughs> Nerd alert. Thank you. You're welcome. No, nothing private at all. Okay. Um, but no, into going to the studio, them, I guess Mike Clank, and I don't, I have to say, you know, I, I didn't have the, the forethought to take notes or anything. I probably have, I kept all my calendars, so I probably have some notes, like says, you know, one thirty. Like clink, you know, some phone number to the studio or whatever. Um, but I think it was that time or another interview where I had to give Duff and uh, Stephen rides home afterwards. <laughs> so I remember driving. Uber. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a later interview because Appetite had already come out. And I, I remember Stephen was in my car and he started air drumming because there a gun. I don't remember which gun song. It would have been from Appetite, but it came on the radio, and I'm like, Stephen Adler's next to me, and he's air drumming to his his, <laughs> his own song on my dashboard. And uh, yeah, and, and Duff, of course, you know, I, I knew a bit, so he was at that point living across from the Hollywood Bowl in some divey apartments, and I think he asked me, I might have lent him money for a liquor store thing, actually. <laughs> I, I don't think you're getting that money back. <laughs> I don't think. Saying, I out of all the things you saved, you have like this one IOU from yeah, Stephen Adler exactly, or exactly. Um, so, yeah, in, in those days also, you know, their early management, Alan Niven, I'd met him because he was working with Great White, I think, before that. And um, I'm dating myself. Oh, <laughs> at least someone will. But Sorry. I can't. It's that whole era, though. <laughs> it- yeah, it was, I have to say, I was so excited. You know, it was such a great time to be a part of. And now I li- I've lived in New York for a decade, so I don't know if L.A. still has any sort of a scene that feels. Art Tavano will as... tell you it's not, you know, nearly the same because he's out. Or we've we've had, uh, I'm like forgetting and names. And Vicky Hamilton's on, from, course, from L.A. Yeah. are living in L.A. also. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who booked him. Metal Sludge. Uh, oh. 
Oh, it's uh, Stevie Rochelle? Yeah, yes. Stevie Rochelle kind of hinted that it's not really the same yeah. either. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, how can anything, regardless of the geography, be the same that of it was course. back in the 80s? But yeah, I hear it's, it's nothing like that now, which is sad. I mean, you hear all these you know amazing stories, and I mean, I can't imagine the impact that uh, Catherine has had on you as a, you know, a young teenager and what has led you to become and to be, and you would hope some there are scenes still out there that can create more... You know, authors and these, you know, give people just wonderful stories. I can, I can't right. even imagine the, you know, sometimes you, you have to sit back sometimes. We haven't even gotten really into a lot of what you've done. You can sit back and be like, really? This, this was my life? Like, just like that one mention of just like drumming, Stephen Adler's right. drumming on the dashboard. Right. But, I mean, that's like, that's, that's incredible. I know it's funny. People would always ask, you know, why don't you write a book? I'm like, ah. First of all, I don't remember all these intimate details, and I would have to make them up. Like, I'd have to. Like, Keith Richards remembers. He has a book. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same thing, too. Maybe I should call my book Life. Is that taken? Oh, wait, that was, that was Keith's, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Uh, I could call mine the No Heroin Diaries, since uh, I wasn't a drug addict. <laughs> the Catherine Chronicles? There you go. I or, like alliterations. Or, yeah. Turned in the Termin? No. Well, uh, the, ter- Turn in the, pa- the Terminator. Ah, mm. okay. I was trying to think of like, terming the page. Mm. Bob Seger reference or no. your la- play on your last name <laughs> and a book. It was oh, terrible. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're the was. author, well, not well, me. Well, anyway, so I, <laughs> I don't really. Well, you know, for a long time, and uh, that got me access to a lot of this. Was I worked at Rip Magazine for uh, eight years? Um, rip, 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 rip. Uh, pu- published by Larry Flint and edited mm. by Lon Friend. Um, and we posted a lot of pictures on our social media of like old school classic GNR and um, well, uh, Axel covers, and I believe yes. they even did some commercials for them that we posted as well. When people exactly. you know, call to order this magazine, yes. I believe you know? they had like uh, <laughs> on payphone at exactly. a payphone booth. Unbelievable. Well, that was because not just because, but because. Uh, I shared an office with Del James, okay, um, who is a Guns N' Roses insider. He's on the yeah. road with them to this day. Yeah, and, he's, a, he's a tour manager. He's like an official. He's kind of like a, a tour manager. Yeah, yeah. We follow uh, him on Twitter. He's a he's a good follower. Yeah, he's a great, very guy. political. Does not like Trump. <laughs> That's pretty. <laughs> wow, how weird. <laughs> um, and you know, and he's an, he's a, a great writer, and he wrote a. Actually, November Rain. Do you know the, the November Rain story? The short story that led to November exactly. Rain. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I shared an office with him, and he was, uh, you know, he was. I think his his girlfriend at the time was Duff's roommate, and so everyone knew everyone. And so, mm. uh, Rip Magazine got a lot of great access to them. And my boss there, Lon Friend, he wrote a book about his like time with the rock stars and the interviews. I'm like, eh, it's just I I don't feel I could do it. Which is why when Louder Than Hell came about, I was very excited that I could tell all the stories without putting me in them. Mm, like that's cool, you know. But which one of your connections got you into the studio without for appetite? Because that's such a unique right, I think experience. I, I mean, it's one thing, okay, if you're friends with Duff, like you have some private right. listening party. But to be actually in the studio when things are – No, but that's – I mean, back back in the day – Or is it just like it's a hangout? It wasn't as private? No, no it wasn't. Come... No, I mean, back in the day of journalism, uh, you know, pre-internet, which this was, uh, bands granted a lot more access, just like you saw in Almost Famous. You know, uh, he went on the road with uh, – okay, what were they called? Uh the almost famous band, oh, I, uh, Sweetwater. Yes, he went on the road with Sweetwater for you know weeks, and you know lost his virginity, was on the bus, and was <laughs> doing drugs, and you know back the in American the American dream. Yes, exactly, <laughs> my dream, my journalism dream. <laughs> and back in the day, that stuff happened all the time. Mm. Um, not that it happened with me, but I, I got an assignment to interview. Uh, I think it was for Music Connection magazine. I did a cover story on them. And they're like, oh, just go in the studio to do the interview, and you know you could go and hang out. 
I mean, maybe that happens now if you're doing something for Rolling Stone or Esquire or some you know super high profile sure. thing. But they did, the access just isn't granted like that anymore. But back then it was reasonably normal. Like I say, you know. Slash called me up and said this, or you know, I probably you know had all their phone numbers then. And that's so cool. That's but... so that is so rare these days. Unfortunately, just the industry, you know, standards have changed. One of the things about that album that people have talked about on this show before, um, that I think not everybody realizes, is that Appetite for Destruction wasn't like an overnight success. Uh, Welcome to the Jungle was not the first video or the first single. So, did I'm wondering how you felt. As this album got released, did you think, eh, this isn't really going to go anywhere, or maybe this is going to be like another Faster Pussycat, one of these bands who was kind of that same exact era, really? Or did you think, like, just wait, you know, because the songs are amazing. The songs are all there. Well, yeah, and and radio and the the world had to catch up, I guess. And I think MTV probably played a a part in that. Um, Well, what's funny is in this article that I'm speaking of that I did for Music Connection, which is still around, uh... You know, I talked. I got a business angle, and I talked to people at Geffen. I, I don't remember. Might have been Tom Zutat. It was either someone in radio promotion or A and R, and it was several months after the record had been out. And they're like, "We're hoping it can go top 50. And <laughs> you know, no one real, no one even at the label had the expectations or belief that it would be what it was. Um, and I guess I didn't either because it just, you, you know, it just seemed too dirty and dangerous for public consumption. And then. You know, all these people went on the record saying, oh, you know, hopefully they'll do okay. And then, you know, eventually it started building. And, I, you know, I can't even remember the the order. It was uh, Sweet Child, was that the breakthrough? You guys, come well, on. Well, really, welcome, welcome to the jungle because the first – Well, that was the same. The first, like, hit was welcome. I mean, yeah, but the then, first single what was, was the first either – Yeah, and the first video, which, you know, is the one that they changed, was either It's So Easy mm. or – I think it was It's So Easy is the one that looks kind of like a typical hair metal video. Right. Axel looks way more glammed right. out mm-hmm. and it that as a single didn't go anywhere. I know that Brando's double-checking this. I think – it's uh, it's so easy, I believe. When everyone's trying to please me, baby, I love, <laughs> I still love that song. And when I saw them last at uh, was it what's PNC? I don't know where. No, where's the big place in Jersey that's outdoors that some sports team plays? Giant at. Stadium. <laughs> Giant Stadium. Yeah, yeah. I guess Met that's it. Yes. Yeah, we went uh, last yeah. year. Yeah. yeah, and then I'm seeing uh, the Garden. I got to take my tickets for the Garden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The 10th. Well, Will they play the Garden at the Garden? <laughs> oh, I'm, I've been waiting to bring that up because, you know, the natural progression of conversation. Oh, oh. Uh, I just segued for you. Well, I appreciate Anytime. that. Anytime. Look at that. Uh, so has Alice ever spoken about, uh, you know, his recording, uh, The Garden? Has he ever? Uh, he well, he gets asked about Guns N' Roses a lot because they opened for him in the, oh, sure. the early days. I think actually they didn't even uh, – I think he says it was a show in Santa Barbara where they didn't even like show up or something. This was in the, the early days, you know. Um, so yeah, Al- Alice has talked about it and he's done, uh, you know, a fair amount of collaboration with the guys including Duff and, you know, whenever there's a tribute album or something or some music cares or some benefit thing, he does end up he, – he's a big fan and friend of Duff and Slash, I know. Um, he hasn't really. I, I don't know if Alice has talked about Axel too much. I can ask him for you. <laughs> I would appreciate that because the more I'm thinking about it, before we were talking about Motley Crue yes. and there wasn't much fanfare or specialty moments, uh, and now with this new leg of the Guns N' Roses tour, I mean, for the most part, the set lists have been the same, but they've had special moments. Um, 
Angus Young came out in, in Germany, and I just think it's funny that the show is delayed uh, because of the weather, not because of Axel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and unlike Axel and GNR, there were like Twitter updates, like, you know, we'll hit the stage in 15 minutes. So I'm, like, I'm like, whoa, where's this band come from? So, I mean, they, they've had moments like that, uh, or he's gone on stage with uh, Billy Joel. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm just wondering, has it, will there ever be another, like an Alice Cooper kind of uh, reunion? With, with Axel in Guns N' Roses, to just to do the garden, like, well, like a one-off, because Sebastian right. Bach, of course, has gone on stage plenty of times. So I don't know. I would love to. I would love to see that. All right, I think we have to make it happen. Actually, I've been able to make weird little things like that happen. This is a weird big thing, but like once someone said to me, "Oh God, we'd love to have Ace Freely play on our record." I'm like, "Hey," and I made that happen. <laughs> and I wish I had that power. <laughs> Well, you know, it took a little bit, but I mean, sometimes I'm able, you know, I, I just have a lot of friends from over the years, as we all do. And, you know, She's sometimes. She's in the mafia. She puts out hits. <laughs> <laughs> Your kneecaps look mighty fine over there. <laughs> no, um, so that, you know, well, well, something that's interesting is like, obviously, Alice in the 70s was doing arenas, and now he's not. But someone like Motley took Alice out. You know, people are like, Alice shouldn't be opening for Motley Crew, but, you know, technically, Motley. At the point was the bigger, of course, the bigger yeah. band, more handsome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think it, you know it would be awesome if if Alice could open for you know Guns and Roses. I, on a, I think it'd be great. It'd be, or even know? get the uh, the Hollywood Vampires that to even do better because you were at the show. Uh, this is I guess made me think about it. Yeah, and I know because you're also a big uh, Aerosmith fan. Uh, sure. Ian. Yeah. Uh, uh, where rocks on the way here. Great album. Yeah. When Joe Perry passed out. Uh, I remember that's how I, I knew, and I was on the radio at the time, and I was getting like updates from Catherine, who's at the show. And, and it was on Long Island. Yeah. Right? yeah. Oh, it was no, at it was Coney Brooklyn, Island. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Oh, Brooklyn, Island. okay. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. the opening season of that Coney Island Amphitheater, and I had just met Joe, not for the first time. I'd interviewed Olivera Smith before, but uh, I went backstage for the meet and greet. Even though I work with Alice, I still mm. waited in line because <laughs> I wanted to meet Johnny Depp, of course. <laughs> um, and so I'd seen Joe, and he was... Super emaciated. Mm. I mean, he's always been, you know, he, he and Stephen, totally scrawny guys, but he was, you know. Apparently, he didn't like sleep for two days or something. Apparently. And so, yeah, I, I they did the meet and greet, and then we're on, they're on stage, and they're what, second, maybe second and a half, third song. And then I'm like, oh my God, where did he go? And then the most terrifying thing was I saw all these people behind the drum riser carrying someone off. I'm like, oh my God, I think that that was Joe. <laughs> It was just... I mean, yeah, no, the, the whole rock world has like collectively held its breath, you know, even though we've had so many losses over the last few years. I mean, you know, we it, want to take our victories where we can. But again, mm-hmm. the reason why I ask, you know, uh, and it also parla- parlays into you know, a lot of these stars dying young and you have these legends like Alice still out there, still doing it. Taking advantage, you know, take advantage of the opportunity. Like, you know, thank- thankfully, a few years ago, Eddie Vedder got together with Chris Cornell and they had some. You know, uh, Temple of the Dog. They had a reunion show, Mm -hmm. a reunion tour. Mm -hmm. So to have those moments and not wait for something to go wrong, I I think that would just be really appreciated by the fans, especially since he's still so close with uh, with Slash and Duff. I mean, I don't know his relationship with Axel, but to have uh, like a moment to do that. I mean, I think yeah, I think everyone loves Alice just because he is such an easygoing guy. I mean, he's a huge icon, but he's so down to earth. I think. You know, if Axel was to ask, I can't imagine it. Yeah, I can't imagine him saying no. I will. I am going to suggest that, and if it happens, 
Credit and all began who did it. here. Right. That, would, that would be amazing. All right. I mean, Excellent. I mean, right now, Alice is on his own tour through the rest of the year. Uh, he's in Europe right now. So that the only difficulty may, might be finding them in the same place at the same time. That's usually how it works. But we're going to... Alice awesome. also has some parallels mm. to Axl Rose, I feel like, in that... You know, people consider there to be a classic Alice Cooper band lineup, and the band has gone through many different lineup changes, and people kind of, kind of fall in love with these different players. I mean, he's introduced the world to so many different players. Kane like Roberts. Kip Winger. <laughs> right. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of guys. So I, I think there's a little bit of a parallel there. Well, I mean, what what do you guys feel about original lineup GNR versus... The current lineup, <laughs> or actually maybe the the mid, how do you how do you call the middle years lineup? Well, well Rose the, and Roses. That's what or, Dee Snyder said, right? Rose. Yeah, or Axel and Friends. Axel yeah. and Friends, like Fox and Friends. We didn't come up with either two of these guys, names, a girl yeah. at a pizza place, and Axel yeah. Rose. <laughs> I, I think for Brando and I, I mean, I think it's safe to say we we love all the incarnations, really. Really? Yeah, I love the strong word. I I loved all of it. I mean, uh, <laughs> love's a strong word. Obviously, I, ne- I had never seen the original, mm-hmm. unlike you, Catherine, even mm-hmm. before they, they had signed. My, uh, first op- my first opportunity, I think it was the reunion of the O2 show in MSG with Buckethead, and that was before the Chinese Democracy mm-hmm. Tour went completely awry. And it was a good show, but I didn't leave feeling with the aura of Guns N' Roses. And the same thing when we saw them in Roseland. I, I uh, love that show, and, though, man. DJ Ashba. DJ Ashba. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw them. <laughs> I know what I did. It was not a Freudian slip. And I, I saw them uh, also in Ottawa with, with Bumblefoot. So I've mm-hmm. seen all the different incarnations, and I've enjoyed it. I love Chinese Democracy as a record. But this is something about Axel and Slash. It's just kind of mom and dad you know, kind yeah. of, uh, aspect to it. And for me, I grew up Alice Cooper. I know it's the Alice Cooper band. It's Alice Cooper. And, you know, and I know that it's not taking away from any of his players, but mm-hmm. I just don't have the emotional attachment. I wonder right. if his fans have the emotional attachment. There are like some that. that do. I've, I've heard you know, Dee Snyder has commented on it and said, it's not fucking Alice Cooper, basically. But, you know, it's, it's his name, his band that he created. But there are, there are definitely some. I mean, you probably have experienced it a lot more than us of these fans were diehard about the band that made Schools Out for Summer and all these classic songs. Yeah, and, in, and working with Alice for 11, 12 years now, I've gotten to know Dennis Dunaway and Neil Smith, uh, you know, the original rhythm section, mm-hmm. who are also, they're also brother-in-laws, which is interesting. <laughs> Let's, wait, yeah, Neil is, Neil's sister's married to Dennis Dunaway. Oh, okay. So anyway, so yeah, I, I, I know that. And what's very interesting to me is how Dennis and Neil will talk to me as a you know, as a somewhat neutral party and talk about the old days and Alice Well and the stories are completely different. And, mm. you know, there's uh, you know, I'm sure it would be that way with almost any band. You know, everyone has different memories and was on different drugs or whatever. But And that's the interesting thing in, in, in why we are or how we are here now because whose version is real the axle version or the slash version so you never know yeah. you have to be i mean a fly in the wall and right. you just don't know and hope they get back together so it's been great alice has been doing uh, some stuff with yeah. the original band in the recent years yeah he's got a new record coming out in july and there will be a couple live songs with the original band and i think a couple studio with the original that's band. Oh, wow, so, that's pretty cool yeah uh, everyone is alive except for glenn buxton is that correct i think I, I would have Come to on. check. Yeah. You. So you know what I have to ask about is Uh-oh. when you really think Uh-oh. about it. No, there's no uh-oh here. Uh, 
when you really think about it, Axel Rose has done so few interviews within the span of his career. Um, I feel like, you know, probably in a matter of a month or two, Slash has done as many interviews sometimes promoting a project than Axel has done his entire, in his right. entire career. So I just I have mm-hmm. to know what that experience is like interviewing Axel. Every interview he does, it's like an event, like when he when Eddie Trunk interviewed him or when Jimmy Kimmel had him on. Mm-hmm. It was the type of thing where if you're remotely a fan of the band, holy shit, Axel Rose is going to be on Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel tonight. You got to right. check this out. If Slash is on Jimmy Kimmel, it's not anything that out of the ordinary, to be honest, whether you're a fan or not, because it's just he's been oversaturated. He's more on some level, and Axel is so secretive, and you're pulling out well, the Rolling Stone. <laughs> I got to see this. Well, I was so. going to say, in that way, Axel is like Prince, I guess. Yes. You know, very secretive, mysterious. Does anyone know the real guy? Mm. And, you know, I've probably only interviewed him twice, and certainly not since the late 80s, I guess. Uh, and, I, you know, I've interviewed all the other guys since them, including Izzy, though I haven't talked to him since Juju Hound's days. Mm. No, I was going to say, um, you know, Rolling Stone did their special edition, which I have a story in, one of my Slash stories, but I was reading the Axel interview by Kim Neely just because, you know, it was really interesting stuff that she touched on. And I'm like, I, she asked him, you know, what's your first memory? And I think I think he said it was before birth because he'd gone through past life regression therapy or something. Really? <laughs> and she really was following up and asking all these questions. And she's like, you know, people are going to think that's weird. And he's like, I don't care. He was, it was really a great interview to kind of get to know him. So for me and, and my experiences with him, he's always been, I mean, the few times a million years ago, I didn't get the sense he was – or at least with me, he was never crazy or unreasonable or wild. I mean I've had you know bands up at Geffen Records back in those days in the in the late 80s. They had a lot of you know kind of uh, – who do they have? Salty Dog and Little Caesar and all these bands and I had bands nodding out from drugs <laughs> and all sorts of things. But Axel was funny and thoughtful and hmm. you know – just a, a fairly regular guy. Um, so when all the talk came about, you know, why is he late to shows and all this stuff started happening. I mean, you know, I, I hadn't followed him very closely or even tried to get an interview throughout the 90s or anything. But, you know, I wondered, like, you know, is there something going on? I mean, I I, I, just, I guess I'm kind of struggling here to say, you know, I guess in the early days he talked about he was on lithium and he was diagnosed as bipolar mm. and then – like is he just being a dick, or is he really having issues, or <laughs> sure. is it? I don't know. I I can't say that I know. I mean, I know a lot of people close to him, but I don't want to ask, and they probably wouldn't tell me anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I do get the feeling there is something there. Like one of the, there's been so many points in the in his career where you could say this is a little strange, that's a little strange. I think more, somewhat more recently. It's not really recent, but when Chinese Democracy came out, like people are waiting over 15 years for this album to come out, and he leaves the country, does no promotion, uh, apparently no way to get in touch with the guy. It, that was bizarre. Right. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I I know some inside things just in, in ways that I shouldn't, um, but I uh, mafia. Yes, exactly. Once again, <laughs> uh, no. Uh, someone I was close to worked at his business management company at one point and had not had to sign a non-disclosure agreement. So he would update me on Axel's funds and the car he bought that he couldn't drive because he didn't know how to drive a stick shift. And that, <laughs> that Axel's housekeeper, Beta, was now becoming his manager and her her whole family lived there now. And so I, 
I heard a lot of interesting inside stuff. Mm. And, but again, as a journalist, I'm not going to – I except for now, of course. <laughs> no, I'm not going to go out and, and you know follow those National Enquirer type leads. I mean, it was interesting to me to know. And you know, we all love knowing the inside scoop. Sure. That's why you weren't called so, out and get in the ring. You're, exactly. You're honest. You have integrity. I do. I, don't, I know. That's why I'm not more famous. But <laughs> after this, we'll it. see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not cutthroat. No, uh, I mean, and I, I appreciate that you're, you're you're not like that. And I'm sure that bands appreciate that. I'm sure Alice appreciates. Well, uh, I, I've that. had bands try to come after me physically and stuff. It's I'm not physically. I'm not perfect. I mean, aggressively come to my office and say, "I hate you. You wrote this about me. What the hell are you talking about? I'm going to get you." Sort of thing. Well, do you like the approach that guns are as a journalist that, that they have? I mean, is it because we've used a lot of sports analogies here? You know, there's some. Athletes that will give you the greatest quote ever, mm-hmm. and the other ones you just do the cliches or just barely an answer. You know, practice. We're talking about practice, right? Hundred ten percent. So, do you do you like it as also a, like a fan that they are so mysterious? It gives does it give you more leeway to kind of write kind of your own story to be like, why is he like this, or would you just rather like prefer straightforward answers? Because that's kind of what I'm been torn with. It's just, I, I, you know, I wish I got more from this band, mm-hmm. you know, more tangible, I guess. Right. Uh, but in a way, in a sick way, I kind of like it that they have a, a mystery, it, mystery around them. Yeah. I mean, there is hardly anyone, like we just mentioned Prince, there is hardly anyone who has that kind of mystery. Especially oh. today with everyone's putting everything on Twitter and right. Snapchat, every thought is going out there. I mean, the fact that guns are, even now, even now with all the, the current tour, how they're keeping everything so quiet. Even their big announcement was just another tour. Yeah. <laughs> they kept it quiet until right. the day of. Well, you know, what's interesting. A friend of mine was a guitar tech for Slash in his last solo thing before Guns reformed. And uh, apparently, of course, they all knew because they're like, all right, we're not going to be working for a year and a half on Slash solo. Mm. But they all kept it completely quiet. I was close friends with this guy. We'd have conversations. I'd be like, I wonder if they're going to reunite. He'd be like, yeah, I wonder. I'm like, you're out with Slash. Don't you know? He's like, yeah, I wonder. I'm like, <laughs> So it turns out, of course, everyone knew. But everyone really kept, a, you know, I mean, of course, dozens, hundreds of people had to know because they were all talking to Live Nation or, or managers or whoever were all talking. But it really... The the final thing, yes, we're reuniting. You know that that really was kept secret, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, I yeah, mean, I think the secrecy is is a good thing. I, I like it. I do. It just keeps you guessing, and you don't have that. You, you don't have that dangerous element anymore in music. Everything is so pre planned, right. yeah. and it's like faux uh, faux violence, faux uh, danger. Right. And, the, and sometimes you don't. I mean, some bands you don't care what they're doing. Guns and Roses, you kind of care. You're yeah. Like, okay. What is Axel real? I mean, once I saw him in Santa Monica at a restaurant, I'm like. Oh my God, he eats in restaurants. <laughs> well, that's why he's so, like me. I know I, so <laughs> celebrities—they're just like us. <laughs> I, I think I told you, you this, um, but I, I'm not. Look, we we got to get into it. But the um, the Apollo show—if yes. I could go to that, that would be amazing. But and I appreciate the listener that commented on our Facebook by saying Ian because you just left serious. <laughs> Hopefully, you did not piss anyone off in your exit interview. Yeah, I don't think there's any way I'm getting in. But not with that. So here, here's oh, I really do hope so. But <laughs> um, so here's the thing: I'm not necessarily that excited for these MSG shows. I'm just being completely honest with mm-hmm. the audience. I know that you guys think, oh, you're a super fan. You got to care about all this stuff. But I listen to so much different music and. The thing with Guns N' Roses, I was thinking back on every time I've seen them live. So the first time I saw them at uh, the IZOD Center, was it the I? I think it was the first time I saw them was the IZOD Center. So I'm in New Jersey. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, it was like this band hasn't toured in like five years, even though it was new Guns N' Roses. 
it was like, I got to go see them. Who knows when they're going to come around again? Then when I saw them after that, it was years later, um, Izod Center. But it was another thing where there wasn't this big touring cycle. So I was excited for that. Then I saw them Roseline with you. Mm-hmm. And it was, and my feeling was small venue. When's the next time you're going to see them in a venue this fucking small? That was it. It was yeah. like, when's the next time I'm going to see Axel? The answer is and, one month. And then, yeah. Yeah. Well, the, now, yes. I, I won't go through all of them, but like then the time after that, um, Brooklyn Bowl, and they announced it days before they were playing Brooklyn Bowl. It's like, I got to see this. Axl Rose at Brooklyn Bowl. This is like the closest thing to seeing him play in my living room. Um, then the reunion, you're excited for that. And right now, I just feel like there's nothing. If I heard that like Izzy and Steven were going to be there, I'd say, I'm there. I got to see this. But right now, I feel like I'll probably see the same show that I saw a year ago. And I don't feel like it's a must-see thing for me. I I have to say I agree. I mean, only because I'm old and jaded, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I saw the original Guns so many times in the early lineup. Nothing can replace that. I've seen them over the years. Like we talked about, I saw when they they turned Webster Hall back into the Ritz. I actually caught the uh, this Mike windscreen, the red Mike windscreen. Oh, nice. I have that at home. I don't know so what cool. to do with it, but maybe I can get the DNA off it and clone <laughs> Axel. With little Axels. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like little gremlins. Yeah, exactly. Don't so, feed Axel after midnight, though. So I guess someone got the microphone and you just got the... Yes. And, okay. I know. Well, you know, take what we can get. Um, <laughs> so I, I know. I agree. I'm not even attempting... I mean, if someone gives me tickets, yay, I'll take Same them. Here. But I'm not going out of my way because I've seen them so many times they're amazing and, and like i said the last show i saw um in jersey it was you know it was beyond great there, it was that, great. i was left you know i wanting nothing i mean i, I don't think there was a of course there's songs i might have wanted to hear mm-hmm. but i didn't really feel like anything was left out yeah and, if i you know the apollo on the other hand that's an event yes. i would absolutely love to see that and there's a huge difference between seeing them in msg and seeing them there. And for me, like if I'm going to see uh, Guns N' Roses, I want to be down there on the floor. And it's just incredibly expensive now to see Guns N' Roses on the floor. And there's a, a lot of other bands touring that I love to see where you pay like $20 to get in. And they're sometimes the best shows of my life. So I just feel like unless they're going to give me something that I'm waiting for, Izzy, Steven, as I said, I, I can't get that overly excited, and that's just me being honest. Right. I have to say, I did go see uh, Adler's Appetite at the Bell House in Brooklyn. Okay. Uh, I went with John Wiederhorn, my co-author on uh, Louder Than Hell. We had a great old drunken time. <laughs> um, no, it was really – I loved – I mean, I think Stephen added something so great to the band, you know, that I feel that way about Bunny Carlos and Cheap Trick as well. I mm. mean, you know, the replacements are awesome. Their replacement drummers, not the band, but the band also. Anyway, um, but I think Stephen's shambolic, you know, the smile he has on his oh. face when he plays. And you know, I, I know Matt Sorum's like a machine, and of course he's played with, uh, you know, the the vampires. So he was great. But I love Frank Ferrer. I have to say, I think he is a such a great drummer. And, he's and, from the area. He's from. Yeah, uh, he's. I think he's a Jersey. He might. I live thought in Brooklyn. Jersey. Oh, I, live, maybe he moved. Yeah, I know I went, he plays in Brooklyn. A yeah, lot. I used to go see his Mule Kick shows, and sometimes. Sure. Um, we got to get Portis out to one of his shows. He's he's a, such a nice guy and such a great player. Mm. He was in a band called Pisser that was from yeah, around here. Sure. Um, so. But then you have me though. That's spending the three hundred dollars to go to MSG. I believe October tenth. And I agree. Wait, you, you spent three hundred dollars. Oh, I mean, I can look up the. Uh, oh, uh, not on number one. Okay, because no. I was going to say, did you? Are you like way up front? Because if you are, that's awesome. No, I got uh, again my handicap tickets. 
that's, that's cool. That's why you know I'm taking advantage of it when See, I we can. don't get these industry freebies, everyone. <laughs> Sometimes we do, but no, not always. You, you have to be born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. Uh, it's because I, I I tried like the handicap seats and. Like the last few handful of shows, and I get treated like I don't know, like a hot girl, like like someone who is like VIP. You mean free drinks? Yeah, if I you know (laughs) I don't drink, but you know I could if I wanted to. Elevators, I probably take like the Axl Rose entrance. But I mean, other than just wanting to experience this with uh, another one of my brothers, I went with another one last year. Uh, I mean, I guess it's a little bit full circle because I saw them in O two. Uh, in MSG with Buckethead, now to see them with Slash. That's cool. Uh, I, in some reason in my brain, that's kind of like a nice, you know, bow mm-hmm. on on this story. But also... Will you get a tattoo for that? For that show? Well, do you have any guns tattoos? I do. I <gasps> have uh, User Illusion on my uh, left shoulder blade. I had to think about what wow. side it was on. Well, part of it. I'm, and that's a Kastabi drawing, I believe, right? Mark Kastabi? That's painter? A, no, that's a Raphael. Oh. Not the Ninja Turtle. Uh, the actual painter. Yeah, no, I had established that on this show. Really? Okay. Uh, it's the uh, School of Athens. I see. I, I felt better about myself. Wow. Like, I'm not just getting a good Rosa tattoo. It has more meaning to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, School of Athens. I believe it was Raphael that has you know Plato and Socrates and okay. Aristotle. And I believe uh, I believe the cover of Your Illusion is just a boy in the background, a student writing in the book. Mm, okay. So I have that with the red outline, and eventually. I'll get Usual Illusion 2 on the right uh, shoulder blade and maybe make it like a scenic, November rain scenic background because I'm emo. Dolphins or no? Dolphins. Maybe I should have had some dolphins in there. Get some estranged going. That'd be cool. Ian would want that. Ian, oh, do you remember? Ian's um, more of an estranged person. I do love I'm, that. I'm a November so, rain guy. Do you remember oh. during like the Axel and Friends era? Uh, this started on my GNR forum when they started playing estranged again because they went, I think, 14 years or something without playing estranged because mm-hmm. I think Axel it might have been out of respect for Slash. Who knows? But they did start playing it with Bumblefoot. <laughs> And on my GNR forum, people were saying someone should sneak in like a blow-up dolphin and pass it around the audience. <laughs> and brilliant. someone finally did it. Okay. And I think that like after, you know, like passing around for just like a minute, security grabbed it, deflated it. What fucking narc does that? Yeah. Jeez, whatever. <laughs> but I, it's just to experience and just hoping that something special happens because this is the 30th year of Appetite. You know, there there have been – Random shows where things do, like Steven has come out before. I would just really feel bad about life if Izzy came back for that one show. Uh, I, I, that's what I was hoping that. Ian and I were hoping that last year because we went on to Slash's birthday. Mm-hmm. We thought something special would happen then. It didn't. It might be cool to see because we You are right. If, if you go and I don't go and Izzy comes out, I am going to feel like shit. So. And I will forever regret like those kind of decisions because I, um, I know Ian's a Mets fan. Are you a Mets fan as well? I am. Or not a sports I'm gal? I'm not a sports gal. Really. Well, maybe you'll understand the, the point anyway. Um, I went to go see – I was supposed to see the Yankees in the Expos yeah, years ago. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to go. They're, they're a shitty team. Uh, to, and I let my brother go. And, of course, David Cohen had a perfect game that game. Mm. So mm. I will never make those kind of decisions again. I, will, I, I once sold tickets to uh, Prince at Mohegan Sun. Oh. Yeah, because I, I spent a ton on those tickets and no one ended up wanting to go with me. Couldn't get a date? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, I was, <laughs> no, dude, you're correct. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to go to Prince by myself. And I was like, let me just sell these. And now, I like, I totally wish I went to Prince by myself. I, I was at the the Guns N' Roses show in L.A. where you know the dancing with Mr. Brownstone at the Coliseum when they opened for the or played with the Stones, and they're like mm. the, the whole drug thing, the, the the drug reference that Axel said. Do you remember that one? 
you know, uh, we're oh, going to break yeah. up, and one of the oh, members of the band is dancing, dancing with, with Mr. Yeah. Brownstone. I yeah, remember, I might have. You were there. I was or, there. Wow, <laughs> legendary. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I haven't thought about that story in a while. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. I remember writing about it. But I have to go, and I think we, Ian. I don't know if we've done a story since, uh, and we weren't sure. They just did. Um, Black Hole Sun is a tribute, oh, yeah. which a lot of, of uh, sure. uh, artists have already done, but they're continuing. Incubus, I think, did it too. Yeah, and a, a lot, ton of bands have been doing it, but uh, and it's not always have been has been a Black Hole Sun, which I, I do like. Oh, I think D. Snyder just did uh, Spoonman or something, so it's still happening. That's but, cool. But the fact that Guns N' Roses th- th- now it's part of their set list. It's part oh, of yeah. That's they, cool. They've been playing Black Hole Sun, so. I, that might be a cool experience. So there's, there's little things of reason why I'm going. I'm not happy about the money amount of money I'm spending. Yeah, I, oh, and I was pissed about this. Um, the fact that last year, because uh, I know you signed up to be a Night Train member, yeah, correct, last year? Yeah, and now you have Wait, to renew. What, so, what is that? Uh, Night Train is, is like a fan club member. And basically with that, which in typical GNR fashion, like if you sign up for the VIP uh, thing, you don't even meet the band. You just get like a tour, which is weird. Uh, but you had to sign up for it, and you got like a T-shirt – you got like, uh, like a, a, a laminate, I yeah. guess, around your neck, like a lanyard around your neck. And I guess some of those fans, if you wore them, that you might get a seat upgrade. Uh, I don't think I've show. heard from anybody, though, who uh, got And one. it was also to get a, a pre-sale uh, exactly. code. Yeah. That was the main reason why I bought it. So I'm like, all right. So I did the same thing for uh, this show. And it expi- it's a year. Yeah, so basically, so I, I buy this whole thing again. I, I'm like, I'm not paying for this again. So I was actually kind of pissed. I think that's a bad move because, I mean, these tickets are expensive as it is. And, and then you're going to have to buy merch. All the things that they're adding on is just, it, it just I don't know. Well, I, we can I, thank I, Kiss Metall- for starting that, right? Oh, well, thankfully, Gene Simmons dropped his uh, claim that he started the, the Devil Horns, that piece of shit. Now, see, I, I don't know if you've ever in, we were, interviewed Gene, but I, I had a feeling we were going to get into this. And I oh, knew, yeah, you and your kiss. I knew you were going to hate that him doing that. I, th- fucking, I, I hate him. I think it's genius. <laughs> you know, because here's the thing. Well, you know, it was. The I love you symbol. I know, it's not it's the, the metal yeah. symbol. Yes. No, it's not. So, oh, no, he thinks it's like an homage to Spider-Man. Get the fuck out of here. See, the thing with Gene Simmons, though, is he he is a businessman. This is his whole thing. I don't think he really felt he was going to win this no. lawsuit. This was for free publicity to, to file this lawsuit. It, it costs like – they were talking about this on Three Sides of the Coin, the KISS podcast. Mm-hmm. There's actually a KISS podcast. We're not the first to do this type of thing. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so anyway, they were saying like it costs maybe about $700 to try to file a trademark. 272 I believe. Yeah, Only I because guess I, reported, I reported on it. So, so okay. there you go. Much cheaper. Yes. All right. huh. Half that price. <laughs> and he so, was filing a trademark uh, a trademark mark or something. All right, so $272. He might be able to get it even cheaper because he's Gene Simmons and he knows people, I would think. No, it's the government. All right, so $272. (laughs) I was thinking if you have to hire a lawyer and all that because they said Yeah, probably. That's true. But I think to actually, you and I could file something and and trademark, you know. Yeah, because the um, the guy from- We're on the radio. You gave a thumbs up. I did. (laughs) The guy from Three Sides of the Coin who started that podcast said that he trademarked Three Sides of the Coin. He was like, it cost me altogether about $700. So anyway, he was saying that- He's like, this got major publicity. He's like, and I'm not just talking rock publicity. He was like, they were talking about it on The View. They were talking about it on Good Morning America. It's like, you don't think Gene Simmons did this for a reason just to piss people off and get all this publicity? I agree. dick. It's a brilliant, brilliant move, man. It's just to get the Kiss name out there because no one's talking about Kiss right now. No. So how do you get people talking about Kiss? Do shit like this. That's how you do it I in don't know. Market. Donated $2 million to some African baby dying from AIDS. <laughs> do something good. Why right, you got to be a dick? Wait, now let's connect Kiss to Guns N' Roses. Am okay. I wrong about this? 
was was Gene or Paul involved in Paul Earth? Stanley? He was going to produce them, right? Yeah. He went to the show with the uh, Gazaris or something. And Is then Axel, it? if you you could probably find it, I don't know if you want to grab it on YouTube. Axel went on a whole rant against Paul Stanley and was like, "Fuck Paul Stanley." Because I, I guess he wanted to Did kind they of have change. a meeting? Yeah, they had a meeting. Right? Yeah, and I think he wanted to change the band's image or, you know, their sound according to Axel. And Axel was like, hell no. If you wondering if you see it. Yeah, it looks like it's probably it. If uh, we could pull this up on the spot here. It's cool that we can do this. Give me a second. Yeah, wow. go. I'm not Dr. Octopus. We'll talk, we'll talk amongst ourselves. <laughs> nice guy right here. Uh... Have Kiss and Guns played together ever? Has that been a... Probably it's shared like some festival stuff, but I... And it seems like there's a lot of older generation rock stars who got a lot of shit to say about us. And you see a lot of other bands, new bands, copying a lot of other people. Now we try to draw things and learn some roots, but we ain't trying to be nobody but ourselves and have a good fucking time. Well, people like Paul Stanley from Kiss can suck my dick. <laughs> you dick! And some of these old guys that say we're ripping them off, maybe they should listen to some of their early albums and remember how to play them. Oh, this is another rant. Oh, okay, so but, that's another rant, though. Uh, I think right there. Well, that, that we got the yeah, intro. Yeah, so. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so there is definitely a, a Kiss Guns N' Roses connection, and to me, well, Kiss- recently Gene Simmons called. He's like, I don't want to have an Axel situation with Paul. Like he compared it. Like I'm like, and it came out within the last wow. half a year. It's like, why are you doing that? Yeah, so that's why I don't. Like, he just does things just to be a dick. You're not in wrestling. Yeah, he's not, he's not, good at getting he- publicity, though, man. He's great at it. He should run for president because if you watch, you know, Kiss Live is not what it used to be. Paul Stanley's no, voice asleep. is not there. Oh, really? It was after Poison and John's Peach, and yeah, me and my friend were falling asleep, and we were going to leave. Like we just can't. Even leave. the explosions didn't keep you up. No, we were didn't, like, didn't we were... Paul sail over the audience? <laughs> no, I was. I don't know. I mean, I like. I'm not as big of a fan as you are, Ian. I don't. I don't dislike him. Yeah. But just Gene Simmons in general. Well, you hate Gene, yeah. Well, I think Kinda a lot. Like of, I, I'm not a fan of Peter Chris. Well, a lot of people like how they hate Axel, and I think. What Axel, a lot of it seems to be rumor or story because, you know, Catherine was saying before, your interactions with him have been fine. Yes. But, I mean, I hear the opposite with Gene Simmons. So, I mean, that's I've just... had lots of interactions with Gene as well. Oh, I mean, has he, been, <laughs> has he been nice to <laughs> you And get this. I used to write for his magazine. He had a magazine tongue? called Gene Simmons' Tongue. Yep. Oh, yes. I did not know that. Yes. Oh, my it was, God. It was kind of like Maxim. It was like his was it like on Maxim was Hot Chick. Oh, yes. it wasn't like Oprah? Yeah. It wasn't like O Magazine? It was... oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> and he'd be able to like, have his Christmas issue. Well, the Christmas kiss photos are also the kiss. The Christmas photos magazine. are awesome. Wow! But anyway, so no, my uh, actually, when I worked at Rip Magazine, and he would occasionally call the assistant who answered the phones, she would say she'd call him penis. She'd be like, "Gene Penis called." I mean, we all disliked him. But <laughs> uh, I mean, he was he once when I was interviewing him, he reached out and fixed my hair and said, "Don't wear your hair behind your ears. You look like a librarian." That sounds very Gene Simmons. So anyway, uh, I mean, uh, I, I can that roll. That sounds like a human resources yes, problem. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, Gene I, Simmons does sound like a human resources yeah. problem. Like, it's not. <laughs> the, the, the Gene Simmons syndrome. The Simmons syndrome. Yeah, and um, I can roll with him, and I enjoy the banter and the challenge. Sure. So I don't really mind. But, yeah, I mean, I would say stuff. You know, he'd be like, I'm on the road with some beautiful ladies in my room. Say hello, ladies. I'm like, and what does Shannon say? He, you know, and he, he just rolls with everything, mm. you know. 
So I know so many men, <clears throat> the president company included, I guess, just who worship Gene so much. And I, I definitely don't. Wor- I, don't I don't worship, worship anyone, no. but yeah. yeah. If you were, would, have you paid for the meet and greet? No, no, no. There's also people who pay for the bass that he plays on stage one time, and it's like thousands of dollars. I oh, think. I didn't know that. Yeah, so he does that like every show. Um, anyway, oh I, I do have to ask you about. Can we sell our mics else. after this and make some money. That would be awesome. <laughs> I, I feel like I have to ask you about this off the topic of GNR. You know, just what I mentioned when I introduced you. So Keith Caputo, who is now Mina Caputo from Life of Agony, the thing that's interesting to me about this whole thing is that Keith Caputo. When when Mina Caputo was Keith Caputo, you would say like very male aggressive frontman, even like the over the top New York accent of like, hey, this is Keith Caputo from Life of Agony. Never would you think transitioning to be a woman and and on top of that, still singing for Life of Agony as Mina Caputo. I'm just wondering, like your your take on it as knowing Mina. Yeah, I mean, we over the last couple of years, we've done, I don't know, 20 hours of interviews, I would say at least. And I've been to her house and, uh, you know, we've talked and texted a lot. Such an amazing story. I, I mean, a lot of it has come out in Life of Agony lyrics and stuff. But I mean, from the age of, you know, five or six Keith felt different. It was like, I don't think I'm gay. You know, was just confused. Hmm. And there wasn't the whole gender discussion back in the 70s when growing up in Brooklyn, going to Lemoore, you know. But I mean, uh, she told me stuff. She's like, I, I'd go to Lemoore when I was 15 and, and uh, Pete Steele from Typo Negative or Carnivore then, I guess, uh, would, Peter would, would put, yes, would put Keith on his shoulders, like, wow, that's I can't even imagine that, you know. So, so Keith was always like a tiny guy, but also super aggro, aggressive, you know. Would go and the music with his was super jacks. aggro. Yes. Like by no means would you call Life no. of Agony like feminine music. No, no. Not and the at all. audience was predominantly male, yes. at least at that time. Yeah, not at all. And it, I mean, and he had many beautiful girlfriends as well. Um, you know, just. Gorgeous, you know, he was a rock star and had the, the 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 usual spate of gorgeous women on his arm, and so I think the transition, you know, old school Italian family, um, definitely like way back Brooklyn roots, you know, mm. everyone's like, yo, buddy, it's just, and you know, but the 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 coming out process, I guess, if you you know, if you listen to Mina, even early Keith solo material, you know, there's hints of it, but you know, she was. Too scared to, you know, probably understandably say, you know, they say the same I, thing. I'm about, a woman about Laura Jean uh, Grace. Yeah, with, uh, against you interviewed her recently. I didn't did you? actually. She's. Um, I was listening to some against me this morning, and it's the same thing. I mean, he, uh, she has such a, you know, yeah. a voice that you just never yeah. kind of picture. Except, it. I, I guess even though, hmm, I, I would say even after Laura transitioned and lyrics were about that, that uh, uh, what is it, gender dysphoria blues? I think was yeah. You go back and look at Tom's uh, lyrics, right? Yeah, and it's, um, right. You can see it. Yeah, but I, th- I think Mina, uh, a lot of her own solo music is much quieter and more acoustic and more lovely. And she's really, I mean, I mean, Keith grew up listening to what we all did, you know, Zeppelin and Stones and and all, and I guess stuff. Uh, Biohazard and more local New York hardcore stuff, mm. but uh, also loves like PJ Harvey and and is more pictures herself like that now. I think you mm. know. Mm. I may come back as Brenda after Lady Gaga. <laughs> that may happen. 
Uh, I guess the quick, I mean, best of luck. I mean, I hope that happens. That yeah, we'll like see. A fascinating I mean, story. whether whether I finish the book, someone else finishes the book. Her story is just amazing. And Life of Agony, you know, has a, a new record out, and there's a whole new chapter for them. And every, I think, you know, it's funny on stage. Uh, she spits and stuff, and I, and the, I was at a Life of Agony concert, and the person next to me says, "Ladies shouldn't spit." <laughs> and I, I actually yes, told her that later, and she's like, "Fuck them!" <laughs> I'm like, "All how right." Did, how did the rest of the band respond? You know, because it's got to be kind of weird. You're this aggressive, as you said, like male mm-hmm. hardcore band, or however you want to categorize right. them, because I don't think they really fit into a category. Right. But like, they had a kind of tough guy image, yeah. and now you have a woman fronting the mm-hmm. band. Yeah. I mean, the weird thing is, I guess, that's also such close family. Like Joey, you know, they're literally cousins, I think, of Joey and Mina. And so they grew up next to each other. And so I think uh, some of the the band kind of felt like, oh, Keith was always a little different and quiet and strange. So they always knew, you know, Keith was the oddball. So maybe there was a teeny bit less surprise. And maybe they'd seen, like, you know, cross-dressing at parties or Halloween. So... Maybe there had been little inklings in the back of the mind. Yeah, Keith's weird. I, but, I you know. cross-dress in Halloween. This is getting too real. <laughs> it's getting too real. And you wear mostly Mozart shirts, which I'm going to out you about. Oh, thank you. I, I love Mozart. <laughs> this is actually my dad's shirt, but I love uh, I love classical uh, music anyway. Uh, but actually, that parlays into you know the book that you have out now, Louder Than Hell. Yes. And, and to one thing that Ian and I have I've discussed as well, because we've been discussed whether Guns N' Roses is a hair metal band or not. Mm. Uh, or do you consider them a heavy metal band? Where would you categorize them, and how did you get into or just a rock band or hard rock band? Yeah, well, how yeah. would you categorize them? Because I mean, that's a big book, and I've seen you know, uh, Gene Art is in the book. You do so. I mean, I, I want to know, I guess, how the whole process came, and what do you think of? How would you categorize them as a band? Right. Well, uh, funnily enough, um, <clears throat> excuse me. When I started the book, John Wiederhorn brought me into the book. It was kind of his idea, and he said I need a co-writer because oh. we we based it off of. Um, I'm sure you guys know the book Please Kill Me, which is the 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 legendary punk rock with Legs McNeil. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so two writers on that. They covered the history of punk. He's like, let's do it. Uh, we got our book deal, and then. We didn't. I didn't know how to start. Really, it's like you know, we have to start doing interviews. So I kept asking people, "What is heavy metal to you?" I mean, I really was like, I was a twelve-year-old reporter. Hmm. I didn't even know. Hmm. And I think one of the first people I interviewed was actually someone from the band Mountain, Mississippi Queen. Okay, sure. sure. Who were kind of Leslie West or no? Um, actually, it was, I know he's a he's a Long Island boy, isn't he? Yeah, okay. actually, it was Corky Lang, the drummer, I think. But I okay. did talk to Leslie also, and and I think he said heavy metals like porn. You know, I know it when I hear it. You know? <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, you know, as the book went on, I was able to ask better questions than what is heavy metal. I think it's but, a good question. Yeah, though, I mean, because but, there's no definite answer. There's people who will say like Jimi Hendrix is heavy metal. Exactly. And there's people that'll say no, it's you know Slayer and and all that is real heavy metal. So well, the first couple chapters. Of our book, uh, Ladder Than Hell, does address that. I mean, you know, Deep Purple, are they metal? Black Sabbath says they are not metal, as you probably mm. know. Ozzy has said, you know, we're just a, you know, a loud, heavy rock band. I've heard um, Ozzy say that he doesn't like, you know, these kind of, I guess you would say, metalcore, deathcore bands that say they're influenced by Black Sabbath because he's like, this just sounds like a guy screaming into a microphone. I have no idea how I influence this. <laughs> right, right. I've heard him say that. Yeah, mm. and I mean, even Alice Cooper, uh, he said one of his first uh, reviews was, the, or maybe. I could be wrong about this, but I think it was Alice. You know, it sounds like a, a bag of heavy metal. I mean, maybe that was Ozzy. But anyway, heavy metal as a description was used in the 70s for mm. some of these bands who are not metal. I mean, is Alice Cooper metal? I wouldn't think is, so. Is he shock rock. I don't right, know. Right, that's... Yeah, if we have to categorize. And ACDC, metal, not metal. Mm. 
That, that's, yeah, that's a, it's a borderline one, yeah. Aerosmith? No. 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 no I wouldn't even say Guns yeah. either, though. I, I think Guns is a hard rock band. I would say so, too. And if they were hair metal, it's just because they emerged from that L.A. scene. And at that point, they did have the hair and, and some hair metal, eyeliner. Hair metal, to me, they was lightweight. never really metal. It's just a, a name, you know, because I've heard them called glam rock. And it's mm-hmm. the same genre of stuff. Uh, you know, to me... That's more accurate. I think yeah. glam. I think glam is more accurate because to me, metal, I think of like just if well, you want to say older metal, I think of Iron Maiden. I think like that thrashy guitars and then that moved into when that came to America, Metallica, Slayer, um, Anthrax. And, and uh, I even heard Nikki Six once say that he wasn't that into metal because he was like, I like music you can dance to. And, you know, Motley Crue, it's got a groove. You can kind of dance to it. He was like, you can't really dance to Slayer. And I'm... I feel like most metal you can't really that's dance a, to. A, so I guess that's a nice. No one's. Um, you can I, slam dance, I it, guess. If I <laughs> if we do another uh, edition of the book, I'm going to include you in nice. saying that. I would be um, honored. But actually, I I think uh, you know Poison and Faster Pussycat and all those bands. They definitely they didn't have the you know the danger and the blues based like Aerosmith has. You know the totally kind of blues based. Dirty, and that's why Slash wasn't good enough to be in Poison because he, <laughs> because yeah. he wouldn't. What was the that actual story? I think it is in Louder Than Hell, which I'm sure you've heard. It's something, you know, when Poison plays. I don't know if they still do it. They'd be like, "Hi, I'm Ricky. Hi, I'm Cece." <laughs> And he was supposed to say, like, hi, I'm Slash. <laughs> oh, wow. And then he said, I, I, I can't do that. Can't, well, that sounds very like monkeys. Exactly. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, I remember seeing them back in the day and they would, you know. Unbelievable. Sort of... And I, you know, it's funny. I mentioned it before. They put on a great show a few years ago and I was waiting for them. And yeah, they opened up for Kiss. Oh, yeah. They're, they were they're incri- fun, man. Yeah. But and Kiss made me fall asleep. But, um, but you, it's still like so. That's only the first few chapters. Like, yeah, so, I mean, obviously, you're not. We're not going to have you recite this, you know, the seven hundred pages. I mean, we'll, you know, how much time do you have? We could start. No, it's a podcast. Yeah, we wanted actually. We did a re, we did a reading uh, in Los Angeles, and we had uh, Scott Ian read with us. Okay, and we just kind of went down the chapter and read. And when it came to my turn to read, I was reading the Scott Ian parts, even though he was next to me. I'm like, wait, no, we should we should switch this up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess your original question was Guns N' Roses. Was that your original question? Yeah, why question? you like, yeah, like, genre you know, like, put them in? You know, what, like, yeah. what, what about them is in the book specifically, and how do you think they relate to metal, if well, they do? Well, I, I did new interviews with Slash and Duff for the book, and uh, then I was able to use my the interviews that I mentioned before uh, with uh, Stephen and with Axel and with Izzy from, you know, we used previously published interviews about, I don't know how much of the book, 20 or Thirty percent was our archival material because, unfortunately, people had died. Like Dio died as we were writing, mm. so we were able to use old interviews and people we couldn't get. Like we wanted to include Richie Blackmore from you know Deep Purple, mm-hmm. whether or not they're metal or not. We wanted to have his voice in there, but we couldn't get an interview. So it might have been Brad Talinsky or someone from Guitar World, you know, said, "Oh, here, use my quote." So we were able to go elsewhere and get quotes for people who we okay. couldn't reach. But all the I think all the gun stuff in my book was my interview. And um, like Vicki Hamilton is quoted in there. Uh, and in recent years, I've been in touch again with their management, like Alan Niven and Doug Goldstein. They're not in Louder Than Hell. But I mean, okay. and I think a couple of those guys are also maybe shopping their own books or, or mm. you know, have stuff out there. I don't know how much. Is there an endless appetite for Guns N' Roses or? I think so. I, yeah. I mean, otherwise we're screwed. Yeah. 
Good point. Well, and what, what about there's the Mark Cantor book? I think was that Reckless Road? I think that was called. That was kind oh, of a, he was like a picture. He was a photo guy more so. Yeah. I think. I know. I read here today. Gone to Hell. I forgot who yeah. wrote that one. So how many? How many? Uh, Books. Everyone has a book out, correct? Yes, I'm looking at. No, so uh, I read Slashes. I read Stevens. I, I own Duff has like four out. Yeah, right. How to be a man? And, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, Axel's never written his own. Yeah. However, point. we. It was just by chance. I was watching a Facebook Live with Sebastian mm-hmm. uh, when he was signing his book, mm-hmm. and he was talking about how Axel is uh, writing a book. Wow. You know, so uh, I think I still have the clip somewhere. Yeah. Oh, here we go. I can play it. One person says you should tell Axel to start writing his memoir. He already did. Have you read it? No. But I, <laughs> Is it locked away? No, but I remember when I was on tour with him in 2010, I was like, I'm going to start writing a book, dude. Oh. <laughs> <It's a bastion. laughs> because have you started yet? I go, well, I got, you know, I, you know chapter two. <laughs> I go, have you started writing yours? He goes, yeah, I got like 40,000 words or some, oh, some, wow. some crazy number. But who knows if it'll ever come out? Who knows? I mean, man, I would love to read that. Yeah. Chinese Democracy came out, so I'd like to think his book will come out at some point as well. Wow. Yeah, that would be amazing. I hadn't even really thought about that. You're right. But there must be several books about Axel, obviously, the unauthorized. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Stuff. I mean, and I know uh, our friend John Miller is trying to work on a, a documentary about his young life, and I think he's also working on a documentary about the documentary because. He's an igna- mm-hmm. uh, he's just a, a, a interesting figure. Well, mm-hmm. from what he said, it's not. It's more of a uh, like actual movie than a documentary, right? If I remember correctly. Oh, I think yeah. I, I guess um, that's what John wants. To he's do. gonna have actual actors play yeah, playing. Yeah, watch the Detroit Rock City with Kiss. Yeah, I, I love it. But it's all about <laughs> so his uh, his his childhood, like right. the rapid fire and, and all that fun huh. stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, also in in Louder Than Hell, I talked a lot to Tracy Guns. I talked to you know a lot of the people from that scene back then, and so I, I got. A lot of cool early gun stories. Also, when I think the very first tour when Guns N' Roses played Seattle, I talked to I can't remember who it was, someone in a Seattle band. They're like, We can't believe that Duff joined a hair metal band. And they were all like, What the hell is this? You know, because he had some, some punk credibility from yeah. the farts and his yeah. other bands up there. And so when, when the first time Guns played there, they're like, Oh, God, do we have to go see this Duff and this horrible thing? <laughs> I, I have my own kind of theories on this, but why do you think it is that Guns was able to sustain so well and move on to such bigger mainstream success than all these bands, whether it's L.A. Guns, Faster Pussycat, even Motley Crue, they went on to bigger success than them when you know they were opening for them. Uh, like I said, I have my own ideas, but you, you've been in the know for so much longer than me, and there's got to be like that secret ingredient that they have that these other bands didn't have. Well, I mean, I guess obviously the songs, first of all. I mean, especially when you have the November Rains and you go into ballads that are yeah, in Sweet Child that are— radio friendly. But I also think, you know, even though a lot of Guns' career was without Slash, the Axel Slash is like the Mick Keith and the the Joe Steven, you know, that that iconic push-pull of the, you know. No, I agree. And I've been listening to, when I say that now, I've been listening to a lot of Buckethead recently. And I know Chinese democracy is a Buckethead. That sentence has never been uttered before. I know, really? (laughs) Hey, if you go see Buckethead. plenty of music out there. If you go see Buckethead at B.B. King's, which he plays like just about every year. show from what I hear. But he sells that place out. I'm talking about like you cannot move. I never saw him with the band, so. uh, I like Robin Fink. Is that? Yes. His playing, I thought, was pretty cool. Yeah. But Buckethead does have a huge fan base, man. He's got a cult, like a real. Real cold following. And just listening to his stuff, and it was my, my first time really spending time with it. It's not what you think. 
It's it's a lot very like I feel like I'm in a spa, and it's and I'm, I've never oh, been to a spa. Every album is different. You got to keep that in mind. Well, I've been man. listening to a lot bunch of. I mean, okay. that's what you know. A lot of these uh, internet radio stations do. They just you know mix and match or whatever. But it's not what I, I you think. And I love his playing. I love Chinese Democracy, and I'm even listening to it compared to uh, some Snake Pit rec- uh, Snake Pit records, mm-hmm. and even Slash's solo stuff. And it's very different. And I actually might like some of it more than Slash's solo stuff. But again, like, I do. Like you just mentioned, Axel and Slash together, it's just something. It is. You know, just those first few notes last year for It's So Easy, I'm like, oh my, like, I Chills, can't explain. Right? Yeah. And yeah. I had, ne- unlike you, I had never seen them mm-hmm. on stage before. You know, I had seen Axel and Friends, I had seen uh, Velvet Revolver. So they played a concert in my brain, but never in front of my <laughs> eyes. <laughs> never in front of my eyes. So, I mean, it was a. Uh, so yeah, I I completely agree. We're on the same page, even though I am still spending money to you know see mm-hmm. them again. I mean, of the big the big concerts I've seen in the last year, Metallica and Guns N' Roses. To me, Guns N' Roses was far superior. Just on I stage, agree. the energy, the chemistry, the the charisma. You know, of course, you know James Hetfield's a very different singer than Axel, but I don't know. Just Slash is also to me a far superior guitar player than to Kirk Hammett, honestly. Right. That that too. I would even say, for, for I'll take Frank over Lars. I mean, I just like the songs better. Mm. I, all I, all together, I just think they're better. So, um, um, I mean, I'm doing this podcast. Do we, where where do we go between Cliff Burton and Duff McKagan, though? <laughs> uh, I, I still think I, I'd go with Duff. I think I, I said, uh, you are going to get hate mail. Yeah, but I, I think a lot of that is speak just ill because, of Cliff Burton. But I think a lot of that is because he's no longer with us. I mean, if they were still alive, I'd I'd put Duff McKagan. Okay, Newstead. <laughs> I'm, I'm still going to say oh, Duff. All right. So I guess people who die or rot aren't all in my this. friends, they died. That's a great um, song. Isn't it? Yes, Jim Carroll. So you're in the same camp as me that you're you're not too excited for like an MSG show. You would be for the Apollo. Um, but I am excited for hopefully new music from this current lineup. We're on what the same page because yeah. I'm going to ask you the same thing because we were talking about Alice putting mm-hmm. out a new record. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what is the reception for classic artists with new music? It's it's difficult. It's, so do you want new music? What, how do you think it's going to be received if there is? Silence. Um, no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a lot. No, it's something. I mean, working with Alice Cooper, his show's classic rock. And so I do a lot of interviews on that. And I talk to I just talked to Kansas. I talked to Sticks, and they all have new music. Exactly. Foreigner. And well, they only have one new song. But anyway, it's, you know, and we talk about how there isn't much of a market and fans don't want to hear it. They want to hear Point of No Return and, and you know, the sure. classic hits. But I mean, once in a while, they're. For Alice, definitely. I mean, he's had so many phases to his career. You know, once in a while, there is a poison or a new song that becomes, you know, a a new iconic tune. So I think there's always that possibility for that to happen. And the hardcore fans, definitely. I mean, again, working with Alice so long, people, you know, albums that I never paid that much to. You know, I love The Last Temptation. I love that. I love, you know, Flush the Fashion. You know, there's super hardcore fans for everything. So I think... You know, and the artists want to keep feeling vital and get their creativity out. So, I, I I don't know though. I would put Guns in a different camp though than Foreigner or Alice Cooper personally. I think if Guns and Roses puts out a new album of new material, it will not only be an event. I would see it being probably number one on Billboard. Well, let me let me ask. I don't know if you can answer this, uh, Catherine. Mm-hmm. If, if you would you play a new Guns N' Roses song on Nights with Alice Cooper? For sure, in okay. a second. Okay, yes. and are you playing? Because I know, like, Sticks, you know, they were here at iHeart just uh, last mm-hmm. week. Are you playing new Sticks? Because a lot of 
stations yeah. or shows don't do that. I do. I mean, we on Nights with Alice Cooper, we have a, a section we call uh, what do we call it? Future classic, basically. You know, uh, new music from classic artists. Oh, so, oh, that's smart. You know, and we try it out a couple times. I mean, there's there's new slaughter out. There's you know, yeah, Mark Slaughter, <laughs> uh, solo stuff. Ian's so, BFF. You know, <laughs> he's a great guy. So, <laughs> yeah, we we actually do. Um, okay, and, cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, some of it sticks, some of it doesn't. Um, and we also play new bands that sound old. Like there's a – well, I mean like I don't know if you know Raven Eye and there's this new band coming out called Greta Van Sustrand. Yes. It's awesome. Very political. Very political rock. No. And so, yeah. Imagine the whole band just like dressed like her. Like well, they had that Ned Flanders band. Oikily doikily. Oikily doikily. rather, yes. She is a Scientologist. So you'd have to put some of the lyrics about Scientology. Oh, wow. There. Oh, wow. I smell Going sick clear. <laughs> the first album name, Going Clear. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I, on Alice's show, we play old bands that do new stuff, and we play new bands that sound old. So, okay. you know, it's just to kind of let everyone know that it's out there. And now, That's a great approach. So, that, I mean, when I, I mean, the majority of the show is, you know, Stones, Beatles, Doors. Sure. Uh, but we're moving it. You know, it's it's weird. We play Nirvana now on Nights with Alice Cooper. Mm. It's a classic rock show, and people, what? Is Nirvana classic rock? I don't know. Uh, well, I know. When I first saw, like, Nirvana or even Guns on uh, VH1 Classic, and I'm just like, really? This is, I know. This is, well, it's just... I've seen Corn on oh. yeah, what is now MTV Classic. Yeah, now it's getting uh, it's getting crazy. Well, I mean, timeline-wise, yes, but... but... Right, musical time. wise. No, if well, you, that's the question. Twenty years, twenty five years, whatever is considered classic. Right, the station, the classic rock stations that I've worked on or or programmed. I mean, there are a lot of. And I'm just thinking of a specific artist, Tom Petty. He's put mm-hmm. out a lot of good new songs yes. over the, the past few years. I mean, the last DJ was a great song. Point. And they might have a quick shelf life or they're not played at all. That's another song I didn't get shouted out in, last mm. DJ. Uh, that's very true. But here, I remember, and I think I had mentioned it before, when Chinese Democracy, the, the single came out, they uh, Q104, right down the hall, played at the top of every hour, mm-hmm. but very short-lived. Right. So, And I think that also hurt Chinese democracy. Maybe that's why Axel left the country. He's like, I'm not getting help from anybody. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. So I mean, that, that's I'm I'm good. I'm glad right. that you would be uh, hopefully oh, potentially definitely. playing New Guns and Roses. But I mean, Chinese. How many Chinese democracy songs are in the current live set? Three, two, might be four. Really, four? Uh, yeah, better. You got this. I love. Uh, Sorry, right? Is that uh, in well? The... They have played. Sorry, they have played. There was a time. Um, this, it's definitely is it around three, three or four? four. Yeah, it's, it's actually not would, too bad. I'm I was surprised. thinking, uh, but I they're would... still doing too many covers, in my opinion. I don't know why yeah. they're still doing the, the Seeker from the Who. Mm. I mean, you know, unless they tour with I'd the rather... Who, as you said. Well, they are. Wait, so do you? What are your favorite? In the US, but... Your favorite Guns covers? Oh, that's a good question. I think I know mine. Um, mm. I'm trying to think. Uh, I'll go first. Go for it. Uh, You're the guest. I love uh, <laughs> uh, Nice Boys, the Rose Tattoo song. Nice mm. Boys don't play don't rock and roll. Yeah, no, that's definitely that. up there. He's got his good voice for it. That Angry Anderson, I think, was the singer of Rose Tattoo. I need to pick a new one because it was a whole lot of Rosie. And, oh, and, and yes. recently we mentioned that uh, Angus Young just came out uh, in Germany, I believe, for, for that show. But they've been playing it too much. Now that he's with ACDC, now I feel like, all right, now I need to like reassess and have like a new favorite cover. So it might be Black Hole Sun right now. He, mm. they, he's yeah, gotten I better. Heard that yet. He's gotten better at singing it each time. I was like, eh, this doesn't sound great the first time, but he's gotten better each time. But I'm thinking, 
you know, they're already playing knock. I mean, I know their hits already. Knock on Heaven's Door, Live and Let Die. I mean, it's enough yeah. with the covers. I mean, Are I'll, they doing Sympathy for the Devil or no? No, I mean, that's something else. The last song that That'd he ever nice. recorded was Slash. Yeah. I actually just listened to that recently. They came up on my uh, my iTunes. Yeah, someone requested it on Alice's show and I listened again. It's great. It's a, it's a great tune. Interview mm-hmm. with uh, the, the Vampire soundtrack. But, and is that's the song I believe that they... Was, it was the last time Slash and, and Axel. Isn't that the one where they said Gilby knew he was out also because he didn't play on it? Oh, I, mean, I think something like that. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, well, yeah, they recorded over Slash's parts with Paul Tobias. Okay. Oh yeah, there was. We some... talked about that on on a, like I think our first episode. Okay. I think yeah. Um, I don't know what mine would be. Maybe down on the farm. I don't even know who that's originally by. Just like this, the cover is that is that a, a uh, Iggy Pop? Or? No, no, it's not Iggy, and I don't remember either. I want to say I, someone I like the. Dead Boys, but that's not it. Either. That's the thing. The, the covers on that album are so obscure. They're you know, punk bands. It, well, yeah, yeah, which is cool. Yeah, a lot of people assumed. I think GNR putting out a covers album, you'd hear more ACDC, Black Sabbath, yep. that type of thing, and that was not what the Spaghetti right. Incident was. So I'm I'm not familiar with a ton of those songs, right. but they still those those songs are great to me. Yeah. So and that's up there. Where do you where do you guys stand on the uh, Charles Manson controversy? Oh, them putting. Uh, oh, it's UK subs, by the way. Oh. Okay, okay. Uh, the Charles Manson cover, yeah. I mean, uh, it's been not in the best taste, and like I get why it's not on the track list anymore, but... But it's it, still on the record, but not on the track It's still on there, list. yeah. Oh, absolutely. But can you imagine... It, I guess this is also comparing when you first saw Guns to potentially now. Axel coming out, you know, bicycle shorts, whatever he did, uh, the Charlie Don't Surf t-shirt with Charles Manson. Uh, now... You know, they have their moments. They brought it out there, uh, the Donald Trump pinata in Mexico City, mm. you know, little statements here and there. But I can't imagine him doing anything like that anymore. Uh, I don't know. Like Charles Manson to support a, a, a murderer, you know. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he's calmed down a little bit or has gotten smarter or he just doesn't give a shit. I yeah, don't know I if don't you know. have a perception. I don't think he gives a damn, but uh... – yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe those are like youthful things. I mean, you know, when I was younger, I was super interested in serial killers and read all those books and stuff. But, you know, maybe that phase of your life kind of, you know, fades into the background. Yeah. Maybe, uh, you know. I think a lot of people, um, kids into metal and hard rock, they tend to be into darker stuff yes, at the same time, Alfred which I was Crowley. too. Yeah, and yes. then as you get older, I, I think right. you evolve past that, which I think Axel did. You listen I mean, to Chinese Democracy, the songs are yeah, – I've said this to you before. Like I, you listen to Appetite for Destruction, that entire album is sex, drugs, rock, yes. and roll. You listen to Chinese Democracy, it's none of that. It's it's a really deep right. album. Um, oh, you know what I was going to say? So if they put out new music, I would love to see them pull a uh, – I guess you'd say Beyonce or Drake, mm-hmm. just put out a surprise uh, album you know like on iTunes. Can you imagine like tomorrow – Guns N' Roses oh, be great. on iTunes. I, I would, I would be like perfect. I, would, I think right. they should do something like that, and I could see them doing something like that. Uh, you think so? You don't think Axel would want kind of like the fanfare? Of, no, uh, I think, I think that's just an randomly awesome one idea, day actually. shows up. I mean, it would get the most publicity. I think if out of you know, just like they did the In April first show. Yeah, yeah, the April first show was unknown to the public, and it was just like on the forums and stuff. People knew about it, and. They did it. I think it would be cool if they did an album the same way, just surprise out of nowhere. Mm. I hope so. Or even it, just an EP or just yeah, a little something. I would yeah. go nuts. I mean, that is interesting. And I actually yes. have a, a question. Since you've been working with – I have several questions. This has been the whole episode. Uh, Alice Cooper, I mean not everybody can go from rocker to talk show host. That's a difficult transition. Everyone thinks they can do it. David Lee Roth failed at it. Um, I mean, I know Steve Jonesy's jukebox is doing really well, but I can't like hear him. 
Like, yeah, I, I, don't I love his music, but I, I don't understand what it's he's saying. Painful to listen to him often. Yeah, one time I listened to an interview with him and uh, Danzig, and it was like too mush mouth. Like, I'm it like, sounds oh, amazing. Oh, watching it was amazing. <laughs> if he was listening to it, I don't know if I would have been able to do it. Uh, which GNR member could you possibly see? Because you've you know oh. spoken to them all in some capacity, possibly hosting a radio show. Duff. Yeah. I mean, when I first knew Duff, he was not, uh, you know, this. I mean, he was always articulate enough and well spoken. <laughs> Sorry. But, you know, the fact that he, uh, I actually give him hell because, you know, he went to, got a degree, I think, finance or something. He's business, got some yeah. business, yes. And then like he that. started writing for like Playboy and all these places and doing financial sure. columns. ESPN. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, I'm like, you're taking away my work. <laughs> and actually, I said, you know what? I'd love to. I, was talking with them and I said I'd love to do a, a Alice in Chains book. He's like, oh, they asked me to do it. I'm like, shut up. So I don't know. That was a while ago. I don't know if mm, that's happening or not. But okay. I think Duff is just super uh, articulate and and you know will look you in your eye and engage. And Slash is actually a little shyer. I think Duff just uh, has the you know kind of the, the the tempo to do that and the and the wide knowledge. I would love that. Duff Radio. Yeah, I think that. In the meantime, you get appetite for distortion for everything. Guns and Guns N' Roses are doing an, a uh, limited channel on Sirius XM. Yeah. Yes. I mean, what we're does that I, mean, I Heart Radio, channel. but that's fine. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, it's limited because we're not on it. Yeah, that's, that's that's their limitation. I, it probably just means it's all just GNR, right? Yeah, but it's a limited run. It's going to be oh yeah, you know, to, just uh, to hype the show. Yeah, probably a couple months that they'll turn some other channel into Guns N' Roses Radio. Apparently, they're playing tracks that inspired the band, uh, okay. all the tracks from the band. Hopefully, there's going to be some interviews there. I mean, I, I would think they'll have Slash and Duff on there. It's very hard to get Axel to talk, so I wouldn't be. That's our goal on the show. That is our goal. <laughs> what is your ultimate goal? How can I help you achieve this? Oh, to get yeah. Axel on here? Yeah. To get, uh, I mean, if, <sighs> just to get Axel. I just want to hug him. Oh. Like Does he need a hug or do you need that hug? I need the hug. Okay. I'm in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Axel might be too. I think that's why I identify with him a little bit. I'm like, he seems messed up. I'm messed up. Let's be messed God. up together, friends. Don't we want to see uh, the Some Kind of Monster is done by Guns N' Roses, right? To see that during the Chinese democracy era, oh. I think would just be... I wonder know, what kind of footage there is. I mean, video if, footage there is uh, about there has the making be. of. There, there's got to be yeah. something out there. Probably I, Dell or someone who's in their inner circle just has... You know. Yeah, we're trying to we're we're trying to cr- crack that. I mean, that's what we. I think that's what we're doing here. We're trying to crack all these uh, different nuts and getting mm. you know m- more. So I'm just a nut for you to crack. <laughs> <laughs> you were already a nut when you came oh, here. Oh damn! As are we? Yes, I'll I'll be a hazelnut. Now I was just thinking. Uh, sorry, I, I was just going on a tangent. There's a about hazelnuts. Best in show. Oh. There's a great scene in that where he names all kinds of nuts. Yes, and where <laughs> Christopher movie. Guest. Or as as we call him, Nigel Tufnell. Yes, yes. from Spinal Tap. This was absolutely an honor to have you here and to meet you. Uh, so check out KatherineTurman.com. Follow her on Twitter, at Catherine Turman. I'll spell it out to you, K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E-T-U-R-M-A-N, just in case you're not looking at your display right now. And autocorrect right now. always spelled it with a C. I don't like yeah, that. Yeah, so with the K, uh, go pick up Louder Than Hell, the definitive oral history of metal and anything else before we uh, wrap this up? This has been great. Well, thank you. No, thanks for having me. Uh, no, I'm I'm just trying to broaden my horizons. I'm writing for Billboard and The Village Voice and Esquire, and I'm, you know, I'm excited about uh, 
discovering new bands as well as uh, our old favorites like oh, Guns. That, well, that's a good question because Brando and I very often are saying there's no great new bands. You know, mm-hmm. who are the great new bands that you think this audience would like? And a lot of them come up to United Stations Radio Networks, I see. So yeah, I they know do. you meet a lot of them. They do. I mean, a lot of them are on hard drive. Um, I, I guess for me, I still always like the the more classic rock, bluesy kind of bands like the Blackberry Smoke or – I mean these that – they're not that new. Now that you're putting me on the spot and forgetting them all. But uh, I mean even like Queens of the Stone Age, they have a new record coming out. I'm kind nice. of looking forward to that. Um, and I will play them on Nights with Alice Cooper also. Nice. Though. I remember one time uh, – it was one of my first radio jobs board hopping for Nights with Alice mm-hmm. Cooper when I was living in Cape Cod. Mm-hmm. And you played My Chemical Romance, Teenagers. Really? Yeah. Mm. You don't even remember that. I do not remember that. No, I was like, wow. I mean, Alice Cooper's got a great show. I mean I can get to hear I'm 18 next to you know, yeah. some of my emo shit. This I is know. great. I know. Alice actually has – whenever he finds a band that he loves, he always tries to sneak it in. And we're like, no, you can't do it in like the first hour of the show. No one wants to hear brand new music. But Hilarious. But we get it in there. We get it in there. We you know, well, he, you got to sneak it in now and be like, hey, you got to call back. So we got to have some uh, the garden I am, reunion. I, am, I promise you I'm actually going to plant the seed on both sides. Awesome. I nice. will. And, you know, Look knock on wood. We'll see. Look at that. We can move mountains and molehills maybe on Appetite for Distortion. Or at least Catherine is doing it. Yeah. We're the ones you just said I'll the forward idea. you the rejections, I guess. Just to, you know. <laughs> like I need more in my life. Yeah, you never know. Uh, but it was great seeing you again, Catherine. It's, Thank it's you. been so long. I've been mean, following you on uh, Facebook and Twitter. I haven't seen you in so many years. I mean, you, not like it matters if you're not in New York, but it was on 40th and 6th, and you guys moved now? Yep, now where, where we're now? Madison Avenue, baby, right oh. down from Trump Tower. Yeah, we're. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of funny because, uh, you know, we have bands coming up to the office, and, you know, it's all. Bankers and BlackRock Financial and all this crazy stuff around us. And we have dudes Get, with guitars coming up. They must be getting all freaked out great. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whenever, <laughs> whenever someone comes in the building with long hair and a T-shirt, they just send them to us. They know floor. where they're going. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's funny. And Alice Cooper, you know, when he when he comes, you know, a lot of time they have to take the picture, you know, for the uh, the security camera. So I have some of Alice's awesome security camera photos. <laughs> must look so, so funny. Someday I'll, I'll sell those. You got to make them like a T-shirt or something. <laughs> yeah. Or remember, like, there's a lot of great mug shots. There's a good Axel mug shot, isn't there? Sure, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Numbers under. I should make that into a T-shirt as well. But no, again, thank you for coming up. Coming thank you into for the having studio. me. I'm excited. I will promote you everywhere and, uh, and vice make versa. magic happen. <laughs> and vice versa. And uh, if you're ever so inclined, we would love to have you back. Thank you. I would love to be back. Uh, there she goes, Catherine, who hopefully I will see again before another 10 years. But, I mean, that was just awesome for her agreeing to come in because I always – you know, we're Facebook friends, and I'm always seeing her post supportive stuff about Guns N' Roses. I mean, maybe I don't know what you see in your in your timeline whenever there's some sort of article or a reunion mention or show. There's a lot of negativity still out there, uh, but she's been waving that GNR flag high, and I've been wanting to pick her brain for a while, you know, given her history. So very cool to finally get her on the episode. But we have to give out another thank you, which completely blew us both away. Uh, well, one, just the first thank you again is to Dave Kushner for our last um, yeah. uh, interview, which was like a do-over. If you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to the last episode. Sure. Uh, but from that, a couple of stories were picked up by Alternative Nation. Which was awesome, man, because I, I think for me, 
uh, I work on, you know, another podcast that gets a lot of publicity and that type of thing. And I always think of this as just like my fun little side project, to be completely honest. And I don't think most people care. But then I see this article from Alternative Nation and it's getting all these comments because of because of Dave Kushner. And, man, it was just awesome to see people uh, getting out there what we do new listeners coming on board yeah. because of it and it really means a lot so alternative nation you guys rock yeah thank you so much so and and especially by the way i should say mm-hmm. they they could have been one of these news outlets who would just take a clip of dave kushner not mention us yeah no we definitely mentioned from. in there they to mentioned our show. It, they linked to our show so they did it the right way yeah no and, and again thank you for that and if you want to do it going forward Keep it, keep it up. Hopefully, we'll keep providing you uh, good interviews uh, that will get good content that wants to go viral. Uh, so that's something else. Actually, you can help us out with. In addition to uh, the clips that we started out with, um, the show with Anna from Portugal. Uh, again, if you want to send us a two, three minute clip, whether you want to talk about the first time you saw Guns and Roses and or uh, a show that you've recently seen uh, featuring the band, a, a show review. And again, just like with Alternative Nation, I mean, we don't know anybody there. Spread the word. Yeah. I mean, if you spread the word, we're going to continue to get bigger and better guests, and that's only going to provide you with, with just more of what you want. That's more Guns N' Roses material. So uh, you are a part of the show. So uh, help us out. Help, be a producer. That's kind of it. You can help out produce this show. I think that's actually kind of cool, I think. Yeah. yeah and right. our, our audience is awesome. Um, last thing I was going to mention before mm-hmm. I get out of here, just because it's a tidbit. I know we mentioned Kiss already on this show. Um, on Usually this episode. do. Yeah, it always just seems to come up. So I was walking home from the soft rep studio at Alley one night last week, and I saw all these people outside of uh, the uh, hotel across from Penn Station. It's a famous hotel. But I'm forgetting the name. I think it's Pennsylvania or something. Anyway, um, in Kiss shirts, like a ton of people in Kiss shirts. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what's going on here? It was a Friday night, and they were like, oh, there's a – oh, no, it was just – yeah, it was a Friday because they had the expo on Saturday. They were like, it was a big Kiss Expo. And I was like, awesome. Who's going to be here? Um, and they were like, tomorrow, Peter Chris and Bruce Kulik. Um, and I'm a huge fan of Bruce. I could care less about Peter Chris. Okay. <laughs> Even though he's the okay. original drummer, man. Like, after reading his book and reading, like, Paul Stanley's book about him, like, man, I'm just not a fan of the guy. And this kind of solidified it for me. So Bruce Kulik couldn't be cooler. Got a picture with the guy. Got one of his solo albums. Um, but Peter Chris to me is like indicative of how not to treat your fans. Hmm. There were people lined up for like three hours waiting to meet this man. Like, And, and some of them apparently paid in advance to get something signed by Peter Chris. And I don't know the reason why, but this seems to happen all the time with him from what I hear on other podcasts about Kiss and stuff, and just, like, taking his sweet time for these fans waiting, like, three hours to meet the man. And it's just not cool, man. I don't think that's the way that you treat your fans. So I just wanted to mention that, man. Bruce, on the other hand, who played on um, a lot of the great albums, played on Crazy Nights and stuff, wrote a lot of the great stuff, he, he was just an awesome guy. And it's funny to me, man. I mean, there's just... there's hundreds of people at this thing dying to meet Peter Chris, who hasn't played on a Kiss album in, I don't know, like 20 years or something. Mm. And, uh, man, like, it's just, it, I think it's disappointing. Well, I'm sorry you people. had that experience. I mean, yeah. uh, I didn't even try to meet Peter Chris, but I was just walking around this expo, which was really poorly done, to be honest. There was no music well, even playing. There were no, like, panels. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was really lackluster. But anyway, 
I just I, – I felt like I wanted to mention it somewhere and this is my outlet where I could mention it. Um, I didn't care about meeting Peter Chris, but I feel like you have fans who still want to meet you after you really haven't done anything notable in 20-plus years. Dude, just do the right thing, man. And, and reading his book, I don't think he really appreciates his fans. He also apparently played his last um, solo show yeah, here I read in that. New York City. Mm. So it is what it is. I know, not GNR related, but there's definitely some crossover. No, and the crossover being, you know, I'm seeing a lot of pictures on the uh, Not in This Lifetime fan spot um, group. On, on Facebook, posting pictures with Axel and the band, people meeting them after the show, some with even Axel smiling. So, I mean, this is a part of it. I mean, we've said it a million times. These shows are events uh, because they did go away for such a long time. And every fan review reaction, whether it's a, you know, a written review or, or a photo, uh, it just seems to be glowing and so overwhelmingly positive. So that's the stuff that you want to hear. Yeah. You don't want to hear things about like what you experienced with Peter Chris. And I guess that, again, that will never happen with Guns N' Roses because the meet and greet does not involve meeting the band. Uh, you just get a VIP tour of for the, what you know their dressing room. That's yeah, part of the and night. Axl Rose doesn't need to make money doing like a GNR Expo in. No, he's not. He, no, he's not Virgil from the WWE or whatever. <laughs> oh, I've heard those stories, man, he's, from Sam Roberts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, this was a good show. We we spoke about it a lot. Um, and again, going forward, if you want to send us uh, a review or your first experience with GNR, two three minutes, you can send it on our Facebook or Twitter at the AFD Show. Uh, if you want to email us, what is it uh, at the uh, is just at the, the AFD Show at gmail dot com. Oh, the AFD Show at gmail dot com. Right, right. Yeah. Or, is it, or is it AFD Show? I think it's whatever. Just fucking just do the Twitter or Facebook. We're both yeah. on it. That's it's that is both. The AFD show. Yeah, I haven't checked the uh, email in a while. Oh, and I just want to mention one last thing because I don't want anybody to misinterpret what I said about the shows. If you did not see Guns N' Roses, this reunited slash Axel Duff lineup on the first run and they're coming to your area, go see them. Definitely go see them. I'm not at all saying like this isn't exciting. If you didn't see this yet... You are going to have an amazing time. It is going to be possibly life-changing. But I think that there's people in my camp who saw this already, and they don't need to see it for a second year in a row. I could wait a little bit. I have a feeling they're going to continue touring. Um, You're right, though. If Izzy Stradlin comes out to your show and I'm not there, I will be kicking myself. Hmm. I agree with that. So who knows? Maybe if I could somehow get a hookup on tickets last minute, I'll go. Um, I'm definitely not saying it's out of the question. But point being, if you're a listener to this show, you haven't seen the current lineup, go see them. You'll have an awesome time. I am rock and roll. I had to get one last clip in there. I'm not, I, you, you said it perfectly, and I just think we're in an interesting position where we never knew, is this band going to get back together? When Axel starts showing up, is this going to be the last time I see him? That's why you're singing with Axel and friends. Now it's like, ah, eh, I'll see him next time. Yeah. Just like us. We'll see you next time. So anything else you want to add, my dear Ian, before we depart? No. Other than if you have some type of hookup on this uh, Apollo show, <laughs> hook us up, man. I, I really wow. – I saw Metallica. How desperate was that? I didn't mention it on the show because apparently Catherine was there too. I saw Metallica at the Apollo mm-hmm. with Sirius. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome. you know. And to me, Guns N' Roses is such a better live band. I've seen both bands several times. Um, I mean, of course, I think Guns N' Roses is a better band altogether. Um, to see them at the Apollo 
It would. That's a really small venue. It well, would be. We'll see. I, I I have a friend who reached out to me, and for some reason, she's like, "If you want to write a review uh, for my music site, if I can get his passes, you know, I'll give them to you." And that came out of nowhere. Uh, so we will see. You know, if we get to go, at least I know I'm going to the MSG. Uh, and the the thing that I I do know, and at the same time don't know, is that we know we're having another episode coming up. When is it's going to happen? We don't know. So, as we depart, in the words of Axl Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll definitely see it. You've been listening to the distorted minds of Brando and Scotto, dissecting all things Guns N' Roses on Appetite for Distortion. Follow the guys on Twitter at The AFD Show and on Facebook at facebook.com slash The AFD Show. security, I'm going home.